Hello fellow homebrewers, JP here, and I want to introduce to you the brand new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Series available at More Beer. More Beer sells the highest standard in homebrewing equipment, and the Brewbuilt Conicals are just that. They're made from mere polished 304 stainless steel, and they come with loads of features that you and I have been looking for. They have a full 2-inch bottom dump valve, which will eliminate your clogging issues, while the sturdy base includes four reinforced legs, just like those big pro tanks do. More Beer also carries the Brewbuilt line of options and add-ons like casters, pressure kits, and even external glycol chillers. So you can find out more about the new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Unitanks by going over to morebeer.com for detailed videos on the entire line of Brewbuilt Conicals. You can trust Brewbuilt with your next fermentation, and you can trust More Beer to find the right conical for you. Brewbuilt at morebeer.com. Today's Sunday session is brought to you thanks to the fine folks at More Beer. Visit them right now at morebeer.com. I want people to believe in me, and I want people to believe in me when they taste my beer. That's what it's about. You mean you laid underneath it and tried to put his tongue up the bung? (laughs) I liked it. actually scoop up the yeast Uh and look at it. 7 o'clock came real early that next morning. Yeah, man. Thanks for dumbing that down for us. You did an awesome job. It's all about food and beer. Punch me in the junk. Man, that thing was thick. The point is just beat it like it's your dick. I like to smell it (laughs) afterwards. Are you being sarcastic right now? No. Bring your body armor. I ran into my jungle once on a ball valve on a kettle. That's a true happy Now, live from the Brewing Network Studios in Northern California, this is the radio program for home brewers, craft brewers, beer lovers, and beer geeks. It's your only source for live beer radio that brings expert brewers together with... Expert drinkers, this is the radio program with a head on it. This is The Session. Hello, good afternoon, welcome to the program. My name's Justin Crosley, I'll be your host today and today only. <laughs> well, it's my my last day of being thirty nine. Oh, so, that's right. Uh, you only have, thing, yeah. You have less than six hours left. I don't really know what's going to happen tomorrow. Oh, geez. Are we going to count down? No, I just feel like something's going to happen. Well, something will happen. I feel I can feel it. This is like a big thing. Oh, geez. Um, I mean, that could be as simple as my balls dropping another inch, yeah. or as. Or it's as complex heart. as me going completely insane. I don't know. Uh, you know, maybe you'll get a little more uh, sane, and your balls will actually up. They'll raise up. Is that's what happened? Well, except for the balls part. Uh, yeah. People do tend to get saner as they get older, don't they? It's like that moment of clarity before you die. Yeah. Right. The stream yeah. of... Uh, moment of clarity? Right. Yeah, that's right. Maybe. We'll see. But tomorrow's for you. Do you get your wisdom tomorrow? I had those teeth removed years ago, so I don't... Oh, so you lost it. I don't think there'll be any wisdom. (laughs) Are you... Is 40 over the hill, or is 50 over the hill? Well, 40 is traditionally over the hill, but it's based on a theory, and that is that that is essentially your midlife, right? So the rest is... is, Right. um, I figured, for me, that was at about 25. Uh, Yeah, if if that. Yeah. (laughs) Or 20, we don't don't really know. No, 8. So... And it's... Yeah, as far as wisdom goes... um, 
um, I don't. Somebody asked me on my birthday, like, okay, now that you're older, you know, give us some wisdom. I literally had nothing. I had not <laughs> one comment to make. I was. It was like, like no nothing. sort of profound, mm-hmm. prophetic. Who doesn't, I didn't who even, doesn't have many profound things, really. I didn't even not have anything unprofound to say. Like, don't <laughs> fart in church. <laughs> exactly. Right. Um, Always wear slides for slippers. I, I had nothing. It was, Sometimes uh, silence says a lot. Yeah, it was disappointing. I think us. mine would be like, uh, you know, uh, it's just so everybody knows, the most bathrobes have an inside tie, so you tie one, and then you can tie it with a belt. I don't even... That, I yeah. think, is really good, like, solid, real-world information. I only learned so that, thing. even, at your wedding. Right. That's how recent that information <laughs> was given I to think me. You, I think you told me. Like, wait, why does it have three strings? Yeah. I don't know. Let's find out. Yeah. Um, one to hang yourself. No. <laughs> So well, you know, forty uh, is the, you know, the new thirty. You know, is that what it is? Once you live hard, then it's actually 50, oh, fuck. fifty. You're like Benjamin Buttons. You're going backwards now. <laughs> Some people have suggested that I'm in Think the I'm in the prime of my life right now. Yeah. And probably not health wise. I'm sure they didn't mean that. But, Those people yeah, want a free uh, beer. That I'm having a better time, or I don't know what now. I live like I, I'm thirty three all the time. You do. Oh, I yeah. know. Yeah. You're much much better at. Sure enough, but not. Like uh, um, yeah. So no. we'll see what happens. I don't know. I'll, I'll call you all when I wake up if you want. Please group call, group text. Hey everybody, I made it. <laughs> Still here. I'll call you every hour on the hour. To see, you know, Can't believe it. From yeah. now until you don't make it, right. that would be really nice. Uh, so I had a good uh, birthday celebration ahead of time over the weekend, though. Uh, nice. What'd you do? Go, I spent uh, the weekend drying out. You probably spent you the did. weekend. Uh, I did, and uh, in, in multiple ways, actually. I went sailing. Uh, oh, uh, nice. Kate the Great uh, chartered a sailboat. There uh, you go. Uh, and a bunch of friends came from out of town and surprised me from all over the place, really. Nice. Uh, so that was really nice. I had a good time. Um, you know, Justin's last stand, kind of. Right. <laughs> right. How many of those have you had? I only had one. I'm, I'm careful right. about And I'm good at calling them, too, by the way. I okay. called the Biscuits last stand. Uh, we did our last trip together. I, I evaluated her mental state. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I called it then. Uh, Kate can, can vouch for me. Uh, you know, it was about two weeks later. She was done. But she was also leaking fluids. That had been happening her whole life. Oh, okay. Yeah. She she's had a leaky... Uh, she's leaky a dripping. Yeah, right. She was a dripper. Well, no. And, and <laughs> Justin hasn't human. felt his feet for a few months. Yeah, there so. are signs. This isn't coming your, out of nowhere. Are your feet doing better? Yes. Okay. They're not good. No. Uh, they are moderately better. Okay. Sure. I think I was supposed to go back if I didn't get better, and I haven't done that yet. But no. She did tell me to give Weird. it some time, though. <laughs> she said, give it some time, take the vitamin B, okay. and uh, I don't know. I, I feel like she indicated that the next steps are either not pleasant or impossible. So Amputation? Uh, no, but I don't no. know. It's probably like nerve surgery and shit like that. You, you should go amputation that. and get those like blades. Like oh, yeah. those blades for feet so you can kind of bounce while you run. Cool. That'd be great. Those yeah, are for look, runners. Put a little bounce in your step. Yeah, yeah I don't really. I, I could play basketball. Fast. Wow. Dunk. Fucking dunk on some hose, dude. Well, I'm sure you'll be fine. I have a feeling that you're just um, feeling down in the dumps, and so you're trying to find more things to worry about. Maybe. But uh, I think you'll be okay. I think you'll wake up 40, healthy and refreshed, refreshed. and ready to get your ass handed to you by life. <laughs> yeah, again. <laughs> yeah, for another 40 years. Yeah. He has a vested interest in you being okay because he right. only has two more months. Well, that's he's true. not okay. Shut yeah. <laughs> up. Plus, yeah. it's, you know, he's got a job to keep. Oh, yeah, and, it's true. Right. Yeah. And now he has another mouth to feed. Oh, not yet. Yeah. Not well, yet. So you have a 
clump of cells to feed. Right <laughs> yeah. Which is Which really is great th- for your salary. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> well, and also that never changes. We're all just a clump of cells. Yeah. Dying slowly every day. Correct. Some of us faster <laughs> than others. Yeah. yeah. Closer, too. <laughs> Debbie right. Dunner. Doc and I decided that somehow I, yeah. I actually passed him in age along the way. Yeah. I don't mm-hmm. know how. But Definitely. and fast. No. Like, I, I went by <laughs> like a fucking race car. Yeah. Um, hey, was that Justin? But he, yeah. Doc, is now officially younger than I am. I oh, Congratulations, yeah, Doc. I, I feel yeah. it. I think that's what's going to happen. Like uh, uh, on on when you turn forty, you guys are going to like switch. It's going to be like yeah. uh, like some sort of weird you right. know, science experiment, and then you're going to be his Dorian Gray like picture. Right? He'll keep you in a room, and he'll <laughs> yeah. never age because you're aging for him. I think that that's sounds. The way I'm looking at it. Yeah. As, <laughs> it's as close to any theory I have. Fuck yeah! yeah. Let's we'll do see it. what you look like next year. We will. <laughs> or tomorrow. Um, so yeah, so that's what's happening in my life. Uh, on today's show, though, we got a lot of great things happening to you, uh, for you, uh, maybe to you. <laughs> I don't to know. You. Yeah. Um, this show is brought to you by our good friends over at More Beer. You can go to morebeer.com and check them out, and you know they've got everything for beer making, wine making, cider making, coffee making. Um, you can make almost anything. Out Root of, beer, uh, they do. Oh yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Probably more stuff than you can that. grow hops. I mean, you name mm-hmm. it. Go to morebeer.com and check them out. Of course, they bring you this program in every session that we do, and they've been doing that for years. Um, I hope they never quit on me, basically. Love those guys. Uh, yeah, they're, they're amazing. Uh, show them some love. Put a little comment in the field when you order, and just let them know, uh, you know, thanks for supporting the BN, because I would say uh, greater than any other uh, single sponsor, although there are several uh, involved in our success, uh, More Beer has really been a huge part of that. So go check them out. On today's show, Uplift. Brewing Company from Bloomington, Indiana is on the program. They flew all the way out from Indiana to hang out with us. We're going to be talking to uh, a few of their guys. We've got their head of brewery operations is here. Their innovation lead brewer is here. And um, their quality control manager, which is cool. Um, we get to talk nice. about how they, uh, <clears throat> That's know, awesome. what techniques they use and, and how quality control is important. So, um, Doing that on today's show, if you want to speak to the guests, you can call us at 888-401-BEER. Bevo may or may not answer your phone call, depending on uh, how her online shopping is going over there. Target's Um, having a wicked sale right now. (laughs) Yeah. You can also, of course, join us in our live chat room, and that's the best way to get to us. You can just send your questions that way. Uh, Just go to our homepage. Under the Community tab, you'll see Live Chat. It's super simple. You don't even have to sign up. You can be anonymous in there if you want. Um, Be nice, though. Bevo has the power to kick you out and she's not afraid to use it but you can send us questions for our guests that way or questions about anything else um, let me get through a few announcements uh, i was letting you know last week we got a lot of events happening in colorado at our new hop grenade location in fort collins all focused around the great american beer festival um, the rare barrel is going to be out there that's on a wednesday i believe it's uh wednesday october 4th the day before that we're doing a bus tour from denver to fort collins um, Tuesday, October 3rd. Those tickets are now available. You can get all this information by going to thebrewingnetwork.com and clicking on our events tab, and you'll see all of this. You'll be able to click over to tickets for that. Uh, buy tickets now before it sells out. That'll get you a bus tour. Uh, it leaves in the morning from Denver, goes all the way up to Fort Collins, and you're going to get to visit, uh, I think it might be three different breweries. Yeah, New Belgium, 
Odell's and Funkworks. Plus, you get to see the all-new Hop Grenade and uh, our other favorite tap room in town, Tap and Handle. So, uh, a lot of good things happening with that one. Plus, um, like I said, I already mentioned, you can come meet and taste uh, the guys from the Rare Barrel. Uh, taste their beer anyway. Oh. Taste the guys. I don't know. They're Lick pretty Jay's open. Face. They're pretty open about everything. They're gamers. So, uh, I might be down for that. Yeah, it could be all right. They're going to be on hand. They're going to do a live sour hour on October 4th. So you can check that out and also taste the beers from there. Um, and then the Monday after, which is October 9th, um, with Joyride Brewing Company, we're doing the session live from Fort Collins. Oh, Joyride. Um, yeah, good guys. We yeah. met them a while They're ago. Great, big, yeah. big fans of the show. And, um, you know, we want to do a Colorado brewery while I'm out there. So uh, we'll be doing the session live from there on October 9th. You can come meet us and hang out. And uh, they make some good beer. Too. So a lot happening around the GABF and Fort Collins. Like I said, go to thebrewingnetwork.com, click on our events page, and you'll be able to learn all about that stuff. Here in Concord, California, on the 29th of this month of September, uh, we're having the Doze Pro-Am Night here at the Hop Grenade. So we got a bunch of our local homebrew club dozers coming in uh, and serving the Pro-Am beers that they've done with local breweries. Uh, we've done that before with them, too, and it's always a lot of fun. Um, so come out for that. You get to meet some cool homebrewers and, and check it out. Especially if you don't, you know, if you're local here and you don't already have a homebrew club, it's a great chance to meet the yeah. Doze guys. And talk about what they do and uh, get a chance, to, uh, four chances to drink the beer with the brewer. You know, guy, guy that knows the beer. And That's right. Them, so. And cool. they're fun people. I like most of them. There'll a lot. be a lot yeah. of them here. <laughs> there'll be all, uh, almost all of them here. Yeah, there'll be a lot of oh, those cool. guys here too. Uh, no, they're good guys. They all love each other. I love them. So, yeah. They meet here a lot too, which is a lot of fun. Yeah. So uh, the 21st Amendment's got a new beer out we've been talking about, of course. It's called Tasty. You can go to 21st-amendment.com and check that out. Uh, big hit, that beer. It is. I don't know why we don't have it on tap right now. I really uh, like I'm trying to get another one back in here. <laughs> okay, good. I've only had it in cans, so I'm curious to try oh, it on tap, too. I like to try, I've never had them side by side. I want to try this sometime. Yeah, me too. That'd be, well, that'd be fun to do on the show, so let me know if you get that keg in here. Yeah, we do. Keep um, a can. Yeah. Uh, so, but you can go to 21st-Amendment and check that out. Uh, it's got a lovely uh, graphic of Tasty on the cover. Um, yeah, you wanna, you're going to want to see that. I, I got it tattooed to my body for my birthday, actually. It's still healing. I don't want to show it to you yet. Um, Where is it? Maybe we don't want to see it. It's on my ass. It looks like Christ on the cross right now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's a little bloody right now. Uh, All right. You can support the Brewing Network by doing your Amazon shopping. Uh, Just click the Amazon links. They're all over our website. You can do that if you're from the U.S. There's also a link from the U.K. And you just shop as normal, and we get a little piece of the action. Uh, Of course, a lot of you do that already, and uh, we thank you for it. But it's a great way to support us without spending any extra cash. Uh, If you want to do a little more, you can support Subscribe and join the BN Army. Um, just click the donate button of any denomination. You can do a one-time donation. But if you do a recurring donation, you become a member in the BN Army, and you're eligible for our More Beer monthly donation giveaway, where More Beer gives away 100 bucks a month to one of our BN Army members to spend, um, You know, which is a nice batch of beer you can make or some new equipment, whatever. Um, if you're a current BN Army member, just a reminder, make sure that your address is current in PayPal, because if it's not, we can't notify you that that you've won and that's happened before i will let you know yeah um we've had a winner we tried multiple times to contact them and we've had to go ahead and pick the next person down the line so be ashamed if you finally win that hundred bucks and you can't retrieve it so make sure your info is all up to date plus if you're a bn army member you get uh, our monthly newsletter uh written by the lovely kim shimke um 
it's all right, you know. It's it's fine. It's too it's too. It reads more like a Cosmo article than it does like a beer newsletter. But yeah, it's okay. It's always like top ten tricks in the brewery. Glamour. Let's bedroom. get it right. Yeah. Glamour. Uh, oh hey Kim, how are you? Hi. Hi. <laughs> so you Good get disguise. our monthly. I didn't know who you were. <laughs> the newsletter. You look very nice tonight, Kim. Do I? Yeah. Yeah. Kim's yeah. kind of dialed up her thing for the last like six yeah. months. She's like uh, starting to find herself. I think she has a crush on me. Is what's happening. Uh, uh, I she, thought it was me. She's done her hair. It could be both. She could want the old um, oh, Eiffel Tower. Shit. I, her hair's looking lovely. I didn't um, shower today. Which is attractive to us. Right. <laughs> I feel like we're on your level. I feel like you're playing the game. Her shirt has some holes in it. Stacking that deck, girl. They were saying yesterday. Yeah. You're like, man, those girls that don't shower. I like to underwhelm and underpromise. I feel like that's the best approach, you know? We're fans of those things. I like to underwear. <laughs> Personally, yeah. Uh, what kind of underwear do you wear, Shinky? Are you more of the like? Uh, it depends on what's on sale. You mean the style or the brand? More the style, yeah. Oh, um, um, you're not a thong um, wearer. Only for special occasions. Dates I think thongs are like out tonight. Uh, I like like the half between thong, half between booty short. It's I like, like those. somewhere in the middle. Yeah. That's a nice. That's a nice choice. You mean like good, regular good underwear. underwear. You get yeah. all around. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but then you get a little more comfort. Uh, it's more comfortable and, style. and it's not up your ass, but you don't get the same panty lines that you would with an actual. Uh, in the line. right. Yeah. Plus, if you find mm-hmm. yourself in a surprise sex situation, you're you're ready. You're not. I'm feeling wearing. pretty good about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Surprise! Sex. Lucky Monday. And then yeah. while we're at it, I've always, I've always been curious. Are you a Tinder user? Is that your thing, or do you have to like meet people the traditional ways? Uh, I did it for two months. You did, and it was the most god awful experience of my life. Why didn't you let me know? I would have loved a write up, like a uh, blog I of did that let you experience. Know. I did because oh. Scott and I were on it at the same time. <clears throat> oh, and we were sharing Scott stories. on Tinder too. Wow! <laughs> now we know why it was miserable. Interesting how the two sides would come out. Like, she's telling the horror stories of, of who they meet, and with Scott, he's the horror story. <laughs> Everyone was great. I don't know why. Do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right or left. Like, I would like the write-up. Uh, okay. Just left, curious. left, left, left. And are you dating currently? I'm just letting our listeners know if you're available. Um, I don't think the listeners care. Uh, you never know. Well, <laughs> the phone's just lit up. You know, yeah, yeah, the phone. Yeah. <laughs> there, there's no light, people. There are no lights. You yeah. can't see it from that angle. <laughs> you guys are actually worse than Tinder, by the way. So. Well, you haven't right. said if you're available or not yet. Mm-hmm. And we're heavily ad-based, so there's well, that, too. <laughs> everybody's available. It's just, you know, the price changes as you're yeah. more committed you are. So. Can we do a date with Shimke giveaway? Uh, things are a little tight oh. around here lately. Yeah. so um. yeah. The Twitter game has to have a prize. It's uh, true. Tonight's prize is Kim Shinky. He'll be like, who? Next week, a hat. <laughs> like Googling Kim Shinky and some Going nun in Norway. Looking up Justin, seeing what his Facebook contacts are. If there's a Kim in there somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Yeah, they're like, the God, I hope it's not that one. <laughs> Sounds like Kim is uh, the expert on cyber stalking there. You know how to get you know how to go a couple layers. Yeah. You know I do. I'm actually really good at it. I found my friend's date was a convict in Ukiah. Huh? Wow. I found his mugshot. Hmm. Really? I, I swear to god this actually happened. It was like, totally made my life. Post pre-date. Uh, they ha- it was post date. <laughs> so they had one date okay. and she couldn't find a lot on him. And so I found his name. It was a fairly unique name and Ukiah's not that big. So yeah. if you know the person's age, uh, you know where they live and like their name. You can pretty much find them. Right. So, and I did an image search as I do first and foremost, 
and his freaking mugshot came on. Wow. Yeah, but Although, felony or misdemeanor? <laughs> yeah. See, I mean, it, come on. It's not he so just bad had now pot, because it was, he was arrested in 2012 for selling marijuana, and now that it's legal, oh, it kind of right. doesn't matter. Sure. It didn't so, matter anyways, let's be honest. Yeah. Did you dig deep? I mean, it might have. There might uh, be another conviction. Did she stop dating him after that? Uh, only because he was too far. I see. Okay, she didn't care. They were about both that. too lazy. <laughs> both I mean, Ukiah yeah. is what, like two hours away? Yeah, well, maybe three. Right. That's a long distance. Far enough. Relationship. I agree. Ooh. All right, Kim yeah. Shipke, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Thank My you, legacy. Kim. Wow. Uh, Kim also takes care of our Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, so you can sign up for those up, uh, updates and you get information. And I don't, I don't know what she does there, but stuff. Um, and uh, send feedback over to feedback at thebrewingnetwork.com. You can send your show ideas there as well if you want. Um, we read your feedback on air if it's any good or if it's terrible sometimes. That's what we like. Um, True. So do that. We like to hear from you. All right. Do we have a Twitter game today? Why, yes, we do, Justin. I figured we would. Thank uh, you. The Twitter game is brought to you today by the American Homebrewers Association and their all-new Brew Guru app. They put out a new edition oh, recently. Wow. Yeah, they've, they've already we'll updated it, and it's not even that old already. The Brew Guru app, if you're a member, which you should be, uh, will help you find all of the member benefits that you can possibly find. You can just walk down the street, have it open, and it'll ping you when you're walking by a place uh, and just let you know everything that will offer you your member discount. The member discounts are... Uh, so robust that you can easily recoup the entire cost of your AHA membership by using it. So get the Brew Guru app uh, in whatever store you use, iTunes or Google Play or I guess that's it, Um, and and use it. If you're not an AHA member, you can click the AHA link on our homepage and sign up that way. That helps us as well. And uh, you've heard us before. You should be a member of the American Homebrewers Association. I also noticed, by the way, that uh, nominations are up for the governing committee. Oh, I saw that. Right now they've got five positions to fill this year. And uh, if you want to nominate somebody, you just go check with that somebody first because, of course, they have to be willing to (laughs) run and be on the governing committee, and then you can submit their name. We should submit Kim Shimke. Yeah, same thing. Again, who? Uh, yeah, you would be, some broad. Yeah. You would be pretty good on the governing committee, I think. Um, you have to go to like, yeah. Denver every once in a while. No, I was a the poor person of jury duty fairly recently. Is that right? That hey, is so right. was I. How did I was that voted go? by my peer. No, you weren't. I was. You were the foreman. Yeah, but I, I but I elected myself because nobody well, wanted see, to do that's it. That's a big difference. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I was elected by my peers. Wow, by your peers. How long did they know you before nominating you for this position? I mean, I think it was just no one else wanted to do yeah. it, and so I was the one same, of the younger ones, so they were like, "She's not going to fight us." Give it to that idiot she'll do it uh how uh, is jury duty over yeah how long were you on there for uh it was only a five-day case it was misdemeanor oh what was the crime um assault against a police officer put the book at him uh intervening during an arrest um because someone else was she saw someone else being arrested and felt the need to intervene so it was a white person uh, no. Oh, surprising. No. Okay. Um, but, like, the uh, she was intervening during an arrest that was for a 5150 suspect, which is any sort of psychiatric yeah. kind of case. So she, she was, was trying to help. Idiot. Oh. She wasn't even trying to help. Okay. No, <laughs> she was just there and drunk, and she had her phone. Oh, and uh, disorderly conduct under the influence. Oh, oh wow. good. She's got the, the misdemeanor book the thrown The trifecta, yeah, good. <laughs> so did she do it? You know what? We were a hung jury. Ooh. Oh, great oh, foreman. Yeah. Wow. So you, you're oh, great at your job. God. 
So you well, lost five days we, for nothing. Either she did people, it or she didn't. Right. God damn it. What you what said she had a phone. We had, we had video surveillance footage. <laughs> okay. So I'm like, I don't understand how like 12 different people can have such a different perspective when we're watching the exact right. same Did she touch the cop? Footage. Did the cop want her to touch him? <laughs> Guilty. I've been wondering why there's even a trial. Exactly. Right. looking at it. <laughs> Allegedly. Yeah, looking I don't, I don't know how that's looking looking So it goes back to the courts or whatever the uh, the DA wants to do with it. Wow. Well, they get good more people waste five more but days. It's very frustrating to have, like, looking at a video and telling people, no, 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 this is what happened because we can actually see it. Mm, right. And they're like, no, I don't know if that's true. Oh, my God. But, <laughs> no, no, it's it's not like we Said can't it dispute it. It's on camera. Yeah, this is we're not defining truth here. But was it a it's crime? It's there. Well, see, that's the thing is you have to look at, like, all these details of how the law works is like there are all these basically exclusions and bored <laughs> yeah but it's a misdemeanor a crime See, so. their first mistake was not getting a joy for man because <laughs> <laughs> then we would have been there for five goddamn weeks right uh, probably uh, would have been the guilty boat. then then yeah. the jury actually would have been hung <laughs> <laughs> How long have you been waiting to use that joke? Years, right? Since you Years? said, Since you said hung jury. Yeah. I saw no, my, I feel like he's been holding on to it for a while. He just hasn't known anyone that's been on a jury. You recently. were telling the story, and Warren was in computation mode. Like, his eyes rolled back in his head, and they were spinning. Yeah. Uh, I was expecting two cherries to come up at the end and then spit out the joke. I'm glad in a few minutes you came up with something, yeah. Warren. You're welcome. <laughs> All right. Well, once again, Kim Shimke, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Why do we have her on? Because uh, she's running for uh, part of the government oh, committee. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah, we'll see we're... if anybody nominates you. Right. First. How do oh, you spell I'm... your last name? <laughs> I'm typing I'm it pretty in sure too. it's S-H-E-I-M-H-E-A-D-K-K-E-E. Oh. I've worked with Justin for over three years, and he legitimately cannot spell my last name. No. Well, it's a dumb name. And he can't spell. It's German, so it's superior. I guess it should be. Um, all right. Um, Same. So what's our Twitter game? Uh, our Twitter game is, well, recently, I don't know how many people know this, uh, Adidas, or if you're in Europe, Adidas, yeah. right, mm-hmm. uh, released a, a waterproof shoe. I think maybe we talked about it a little bit last week. Oh, I've week. seen this, yeah. The vomit-proof shoe for Oktoberfest. Yes. It's made with the same leather as uh, later hosen and whatever. So I was wondering what sort of waterproof, vomit-proof, blood-proof, fluid-proof piece of clothing the BN Army would make yes. to wear out uh, to Oktoberfest. At our events and yeah. gatherings, right. where all of those things are likely to happen. <laughs> That's true, and more. Okay. All right, great Twitter game, JP. Thanks. You can send that in at the end of the show. We'll pick a winner. And what do we give away to our winners, by the way, like a shirt or something? T-shirts. Or T-shirts, okay. That's a true salesman. We still have those? Good. All right. <laughs> okay. The old ones, right? Kim's safe for tonight. <laughs> That's right. All right. I got a very short feedback. We can do it anyway. Uh, feedback's brought to you today by the Beer Law Center. You go to beerlawcenter.com. Our good friend John, who takes care of our trademark, a hardworking man, um, can take care of your trademark and copyright material, too. He can also help you with your brewery filing paperwork, especially if you're in North Carolina. And he's got a book coming out about all these things. So that I guess, I don't know, he's trying to put himself out of work. You don't even have to call him. That's true. No, the book's very good. It's a very good primer as to what you should know before you get into these legal issues. Yeah. Yeah, it's on like revision six right now. It's getting close. Getting close. Getting close. Forward written by a Mr. Jason Petros. That's right. Yeah. Oh, I, you know what? And I think I will be. Decision. I'm, I'm going <laughs> to. Yeah. I know. Really. He there, wrote me. He's like, is this. He goes, well, you always say, say that you're ready to write forward for a book. Is that a, a joke or, right. or not? And I go, well, I don't know. 
Do you have a forward you need written? Because I can make it not a joke if you want. And he's like, yeah. And the entire list of people I asked to do it refused. <laughs> so I'm yeah. pretty much left with you. Shlomo, the bum, was busy. <laughs> yeah. uh, I will be going on a 12-city Barnes & Nobles tour. Nice. Just to sign the forward. <laughs> Just to sign the forward. Just to read the forward. Yeah. Like it. it's uh, on, it's by the way, I will do a select reading. Yeah. I think you've been misinformed. There are not 12 Barnes & Nobles left. <laughs> yeah. Oh. So, yeah, I know. <laughs> you oh, might shit. just be going like into the city at the one, yeah. leaving the city grounds, and coming back into the same one twelve times. Like the next day, twelve days. Maybe yeah. twelve. Maybe that's what my 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 agent meant. Twelve days. Right. It's a yeah. twelve day tour, right. not a twelve. Of the Barnes city. Nobles in Walnut Creek. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. I'm sure he also sent you a single hotel reservation. Yes, you might have noticed. Y- well, <laughs> you just thought all the cities were nearby. Well, yeah. I mean, there are Uber and Lyft and stuff like that. Yeah, you know, I expected a limo. Well, have fun in Fargo. Thank you. I really will. <laughs> on your book tour. Thank you. And get the get the forward right on the seventh revision, please. I think, I think, yeah, John's, really, I think John's ready for his book to be published. The book's been done for a year. Exactly. But yeah. Yeah. He's forward. Yeah. It's not quite there yet. Yeah. Mine's done turned in. I'll read it to you right now if you want. Turned in. Turned. All right. In the feedback, Michael writes in about our BN app that the stream on the app has not been playing correctly. Uh, yeah, that probably started over the weekend. Uh, I left for birthday celebrations on Friday. It was working fine, but uh, notice when I came in today, it was not. should be fixed now and working properly, so let me know if not. But all should be back up and running. And then, you know, the next one was about uh, a brewery interview. I don't normally read our recommendations on the air, but since we don't really have any other feedback today, I guess I could read it. Uh, Chris just writes in that we missed out on a a good time when we went to Minneapolis for the homebrew con by not visiting Hammerheart Brewing Company, which is located north of town in Lino Lakes, Beardy. Oh. Do you know where Lino Lakes is? I think it... The locals say Lino Lakes. hours away. Okay, Lino Lakes. Um, Is it actually close? A lot of times we get recommendations like that, like, oh, my God, yeah, you right. guys were in Minneapolis. You didn't come see us. Yeah. Well, yeah. where are you located? Um, Six hours north. Yeah. I'm actually on the moon. Yeah. yeah. So come come see us. I don't know. Florida. <laughs> I've, never, I've never been there or to that brewery. Okay. I'm not sure exactly where how close it is to the cities or not. Okay. As but, usual, yeah. Beardy is useless. Yep. That's um, Anyhow, he just said we should have gone there. And uh, it's a Nordic and black metal-themed brewery and tap room, JP. Yeah, I'm fucking stoked about it. So everything they make is steeped in Nordic folklore and ideas and everything. It's uh, Uh, 30 minutes north of Minneapolis. Okay. Yeah, like I said. Apparently, everything, and he has that capitalized, is yeah. smoked in some way. Jesus Christ. Which means oh, I really I want to go there. Hated <laughs> yeah. this, I would have uh, loved that. Brewery. Love that, John. Well, you smoke. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you're right. So, technically, everything. You're right. He doesn't want to smoke. breathe the beer. Oh, that would be dangerous. Yeah, if I could yeah. inhale, inhale the beer, <laughs> I'd be down. down. Yeah. Oh, you just don't want to drink smoke? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah. Anyway, he just says maybe we should interview them. So, um, yeah. yeah, we'll check it out. Um, if you want to send brewery ideas, send them over to feedback at thebrewingnetwork.com. Uh, thanks for writing that in, Chris. I appreciate mm-hmm. it. And uh, that is all we have for, for feedback today. So, that's exciting, I guess. No, no yay. Yeah. <laughs> Next time. Doc's, Doc's underwhelmed. Underwhelmed. With our feedback. Um, 
Okay. Uh, before we go to break, just remember that Beersmith Homebrewing Software is about the best. And by about, I mean it's actually the, the best. best. Right. Uh, brewing software on the market. Professionals use it. Homebrewers use it. You can get yourself a free 21-day trial. It works on both Mac and a PC, uh, so you don't have to take our word for it. There are tutorials galore, both in video format. Plus, he's got a podcast that talks about all things beer. Uh, you can always write your questions into Brad. Uh, it's just a, a highly supported piece of software, and he does revisions all the time. It's his full-time gig, so you can be sure you're getting the best in brewery software. And if you're still doing all your stuff on paper, um, save a treat, bro. You're at least as old as I am. Um, oh. uh, but you really ought to upgrade to some uh, technology. It'll help you do things you didn't even know you needed it to do. Yeah, you make better beer. Go to beersmith.com uh, to check that out, and you uh, you won't be disappointed. And if you are, send it back. I guess I don't. Know. Yeah. Plus, you're an idiot. Well, that's true too. You get the free trial. That's what I mean. So send the free trial back. Send it back. If yeah. you don't like it, you send snail it, mail. Send it your back. email back. Right. Yeah. Take print, out, print out <laughs> print out the code and mail it back to them. Yeah. yeah. All right. Like I said, we got a great show planned for you today. Upland Brewing Company's on the program. We're going to be talking about sour beer with them. Plus, they brought a lager just for JP. They told me. Yeah. They didn't want to hear you bitch all show long about IPAs. I would have done it too. So hang in there. It's the session, and we'll be right back. Listening to the Brewcasters. Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. Are you a member of the White Labs Customer Club? If not, you should be. It's the easiest way to earn free stuff for turning in your old homebrew labels from either vials or pure pitch. All you have to do is save your labels and redeem them for things like free yeast, an exclusive White Labs t-shirt or sweatshirt, and even the opportunity to brew with the yeast man himself, Chris White. Signing up is easy. Just go to whitelabs.com slash customer club, fill out the registration form, and then mail in your labels. They will return the favor by sending you awesome White Labs swag. Go sign up today at whitelabs.com slash customer club. White Labs, pure yeast and fermentation since 1995. The 21st Amendment. Watch out! Do you like beer? They make beer. Watch out! Do you like friends and fun? They make friends and fun. Watch out! Do you still like to have a good time? The 21st Amendment. Watch out! The 21st Amendment in San Francisco, located at 563 2nd Street, two blocks from the building where baseball is seen and played. Try their beers in the pub or try them in the can. Featuring... Monk's Blood. Made with real monk. Watch out! So why not have the best time of your life? Go to the 21A and Sean O'Sullivan will personally greet you with a can of... Monk's Blood. The 21st Amendment. Watch out! This advertisement is not in any way affiliated nor associated with the 21st Amendment Bar and Pub, nor its subsidiaries or affiliates. This telecast is not copywritten by the 21st Amendment for the private use of the Brewing Network. Any use of this telecast without Jamil Zanishev's consent is prohibited. Saka JP. Brewing great beer is a process of continuous learning, and the best books on every aspect of brewing can be found at Brewers Publications, with more than 50 awesome titles like Modern Homebrew Recipes by Gordon Strong, Designing Great Beers, The Ultimate Guide to Brewing Classic Beer Styles by Ray Daniels, American Sour Beers, Innovative Techniques for Mixed Fermentations by Michael Tonsmeyer, For the Love of Hops, The Practical Guide to Aroma, Bitterness, and the Culture 
Culture of Hops by Stan Hieronymus and Radical Brewing, Recipes, Tales, and World-Altering Meditations in a Glass by Randy Mosher, plus many, many more. These are the books and the authors with the knowledge to push your brewing farther than you thought possible. And you'll find them all at fine homebrew and book retailers everywhere. And visit the website at brewerspublications.com. Brewers Publications, all the best on beer and brewing. Since the first time the Brewing Network microphones turned on, More Beer was behind it. More Beer sponsors the programming on the BN because, like you, they love brewing. And like the Brewing Network, they love sharing their knowledge. Morebeer.com isn't just a website to place your next equipment or ingredient order. Morebeer.com also gives you access to free beer information that will make you a better brewer. Go to morebeer.com and click into the Learning Center. You'll find podcasts, technical facts, video tutorials, and more, including access to The Buzz, More Beer's social network of more than 5,000 members. And some of them might even be crazier about beer than you are. Get over to morebeer.com today and take advantage of The Buzz, The Forum, The Learning Center, and make sure you're signed up to receive the newest More Beer catalog. More Beer, bringing you absolutely everything for beer making. Marin Brewing Company in Northern California has been making award-winning beers for more than 25 freaking years. Today, I want to tell you about their new 12-ounce cans of Mount Tam Pale Ale. The good stuff, Mount Tam is bright gold. 5.5% ABV to keep you feeling good and has been winning awards since 1989. If you're visiting the Bay Area, get your butt out to Marin Brewing Company. They pour tasty beers and serve great food every day until midnight. Come in for a tour, stay for the food, and pick up... A six-pack of cans of Mount Tam Pale Ale to enjoy at home, camping, biking, or whatever the hell you do. Owner Brandon Moylan has this to say about Marin Brewing beers. It's freaking awesome. Marin Brewing has won more than 100 gold medals in international competitions. Check out MarinBrewing.com for all their award-winning beers, food, and merch. Marin Brewing Company in Larkspur, California. Award-winning taste, refreshing finish. It's freaking awesome. Hey, motherfuckers, this is Doug from fucking Society. You're listening to the session on the fucking Bruin Network. Fuck you. That's right, Dougie. Thanks for joining us here on the session. A lot of things to do today. Great show planned for you. Uh, I want to remind you about one of our wonderful sponsors, Great Fermentations. You can go over to greatfermentations.com. They've got the largest catalog of Blickman Blickman products on the web, and their staff is some of the best trained in the business in using Blickman products. They offer top-notch customer service and same-day shipping on so many items. Check them out at greatfermentations.com, and be sure to like them on Facebook at GRA Fermentation, Great Fermentation, and find them on Instagram and Twitter as well with the same handle, greatfermentations.com. Thanks for all the support. We appreciate it. All right, so on the show today, as I've been telling you, we've got Upland Brewing Company on the program, and uh, right now we're going to be talking to, um, oh, man, I just asked a pronunciation to, but Pete Batuli. Did I remember it right, Pete? You got it. Yes, yeah. Pete Batuli and Matt Wisely are on the program with us. Uh, welcome to the studio, guys. Let's see, Pete, um, you're the head of brewery operations. Um, which is kind of head brewer, right? Is covering all things brewing. Yeah, we've got uh, two different 
uh, brewing facilities, so I kind of oversee both, uh, bouncing back and forth. We got a couple key guys developing recipes, and we got about f- three or four key brewers that are doing uh, a lot of recipe development. So okay. he does everything but brewing. Everything <laughs> but brewing, which is actually we will talk about. I know that's probably half a joke, but uh, it's funny when we get the title sometimes or find how companies grow. That um, yeah, actually brewing can easily be taken out of the daily role. Um, so we'll talk we'll talk with you about that. Well, the generals don't shoot the guy. Right. That's, that's yeah. right, yeah. Uh, and then Matt's the innovation lead brewer. Describe that to us. So basically, um, I'm a production brewer for the most part, like four to five days a week. And then once every week or every other week, other week I get a chance to play around and do some R&D. We got a little 10-gallon um, Sabco system that we brew on. So okay. Kegels. And so I'll work on uh, new recipes, new processes, uh, try and do some things that we've never got a chance to play around before and see if we can fit those into our into our portfolio. Excellent. And we're going to be talking a lot about sour beer with these guys today. So it sounds to me like that probably falls in, uh, you know, a lot into the, the small batch and innovation side, too, to figure out where you guys want to go with that. Actually, that's kind of a process that's been rolling for quite some time. We okay. only have, like, three different recipes that we do on the sour side. Okay. And we use a lot of different fruits and, and spices and other ingredients. So most of the innovation is just, like, What's the next fruit that's going to come into it? What's the next spice that's going to come into it? Sure. And then Adam Covey, who we have back here as well, it'll be on later. He's uh, he does a lot of work in the lab and runs the quality department and does some blending with us as well. So that's where Great. that's where a lot of the innovation uh, comes in control in into play in the sour side is how we're going to put this stuff together in different ways. Okay. So officially, you guys are from Bloomington, Indiana. Um, although I know you've expanded with with more locations uh, since then, but uh, you started there and when. When was that? How long have you guys been open? Yeah, so uh, the brewery started in 1998, so next year's our wow. 20th anniversary. Uh, still not making ales. Uh, our Belgian-style wet beer was really our big flagship. That's what kind of got us to grow uh, 80% of what we were doing up till about 10,000 barrels or so. It was all our, our Belgian wet beer. Um, we also do uh, wow. an IPA, uh, Dragonfly IPA is our flagship. Now now that is our, our best-selling beer in the, in the Midwest. IPA. IPA. Makes uh, sense, of and course. And then uh, about 10 years ago is when we started to experiment with uh, sour beer. So uh, Wow. That so, was early on in the sour beer thing. Yeah, in about 06. Um, we're really fortunate. We live like uh, about 20 minutes from a really large winery, uh, Oliver Winery. And um, so program really started out with us trading some uh, cases of beer for some of their barrels. Okay. And then um, so each year we would actually try to they'd offload some barrels that were spent, and, and we really wanted that neutral oak character. So we continued to grow the program from there. So uh, Oliver's been a really great um partner with us, and um, that's really kind of how we got started with uh, Wood Age Sours. Got it. And of course, it's not that, that sour beer didn't exist in in uh, you know 10 years ago. Obviously, it existed in Europe, and, and some here in the U.S., like Russian River was doing it, and uh, probably, though, only a handful of other breweries, I'm thinking, at that time here in the U.S., so, it wasn't a whole lot. Yeah. Were there customers looking for those beers, or did you have to like introduce a lot of people to sour beer? We had a former head brewer, Caleb Staten, who uh, he started as a very small project. So we're talking like oh. two barrels. and so uh, we, have a lot of it. Yeah, we, we, we may have been ahead of the game in terms of the idea, but we're, uh, we were only producing a very small quantity until very recently. We have a new facility now. A year and a half ago, we opened this place we called Wood Shop. So we got a bunch of fooders in there. We have all the old barrels that we had, too. Uh, we have, what, what do we have, 11 fooders? now total so we're able to produce a lot more than we were before yeah. and actually increase the quality of it because we've got a dedicated team to uh you know keep it rolling through and everything is tasted down to the last barrel and we can really make it taste 
like we want to instead of just trying to what aver- what ba- barrels are available and we got to get them out before they get too old kind sure. of a thing. So that was a big um, learning curve there yeah. for American brewers, you know. Um, yeah, I can't imagine you had a big market for it. In fact, I think the Brewing Network is partly responsible oh, for yeah. the popularity <laughs> of sour beer. I, I think it's solely responsible. I'm yeah. only half joking about that. Yeah. In the sense that I say, as a, with a large audience, I don't think any other uh, media company was talking about sour beers as often as we were. And we were doing it 10 years ago, too. Absolutely. Uh, By sour beer, you getting, mean you know, homebrew. We're, we're getting sour beers from Europe. We're yeah. talking about them, and, and then you know, yeah. the local ones as well. well I think you we, can, we, we can, had Russian River, of course, yeah, right. just in our backyard, so that helped. And then I, I think I just tried my first Cantillon and wouldn't shut the fuck up about yeah. it for the next ten years. For mm-hmm. sure. And then it didn't, it didn't hurt that we were comparing the Russian River beers with the quality to of Cantillon, the, and, yeah. and and so we're really we're responsible for Vinny's <laughs> success launch. Yeah, <laughs> right. I mean, really. Yeah. Well, but I, I mean, I think you're right, and I think if you take even a couple other styles of beer. Yeah. We were talking about him, and it's it's helping. It's not hurting, I'll tell you that. Well, at least, I guess and what I, the, the honest part of what I'm saying is, uh, if nobody else was giving a voice to some of these things, I guess at least we were. Whether mm-hmm. that influenced five people or a hundred people, I don't know. But um, so, the, so you probably got at least three customers based on our uh, a day. Thanks, Mike. I really thank you so much. That's half welcome. the population of Indiana, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah. look, at a couple barrels yeah. at a time, yeah. that's a good chunk of the beer you were it's making. Pretty good. Yeah. yeah. So uh, now. I have heard the Upland name um, for a really long time, and I think that's because of how long we've been doing the Great American Beer Festival, maybe. You guys have, have been a very successful brewery in terms of awards and things, haven't you, over the years? Yeah, we've taken home a couple of medals. Um, our Whit Beer did take home uh, a medal, um, and our Sour Reserve, actually, that we're tasting here, that won gold for Goose uh, back in 2012. So. Okay. And uh, talk, talk to me about the, the Whit Beer and, and why you think or if it was planned, that that was so much of your production uh, early on. Was it just that it was palatable for the local, uh, you know, beer crowd? Or obviously it must have been a great beer on top of that, but... Yeah, I think it, we had a lot of support in Bloomington um, for, you know, being one of the few... There was only two breweries at the time in Bloomington. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely one of those tra- transitional beers. Um, and it originally was brewed with, uh, you know, orange peel, chamomile, a um, little bit of uh, coriander, and um, and yeah, I think I think there was just a, a lo- really a lot of support in Bloomington, um, and we became kind of one of the, one of the, you know, a lot, oftentimes we referred that the beer was called Upland Wheat. It was it was just okay. kind of what we were known for and throughout the, the state. That wheat brand, I think, was something that early on was was very marketable. Um, so it. To me, it's you know some breweries have come in and said, well, yeah, we started with an American light lager or cream ale. Like some of these things were popular for breweries who started in the '90s because it was a style at least that could sort of easily transition. Um, and it sounds like maybe this was just part of that too. I mean, because correct me if I'm wrong, there probably weren't a lot of craft breweries uh, producing hoppy IPAs in Indiana in 1998. No, no, definitely not. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, the wheat was really just a great transitional beer. Um, you know, we had our IPA, we had our pale ale. Our pale ale is actually um, also uh, one of our, uh, probably one of our flagships early on as well. It's okay. Really approachable. Um, so, yeah, our wheat, our pale, and then dragonfly. Okay. Is the pale ale the same recipe now as it was back then? Everything's actually kind of evolving okay. as we go. So, um, especially once we got we got a production facility on the other side of town where we just do all the clean beers now. So, we have separate a separate sour facility to okay. our main brewery. And we're constantly just 
tasting and, and evaluating uh, based on mainly our own preferences, but uh, also consumer feedback and just how the times are changing, especially with hoppy beers, and we're making we're making tweaks, tweaks and adjustments all the time. Got it. Pale ale, another style. That we wouldn't shut up about. That's true. I'm just trying <laughs> that to one we just still don't still, shut up about, that's really. True. Um, that's true. What number seller would you say the uh, wit is now, the, the wheat? Um, it's still number two. Is it really? It's right behind our, our dragonfly, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it, it does really well. Um, what's kind of fun about wheat, um, we're in a college town, so Indiana University is based in our town, and... Uh, we a lot of folks talk about that being their you know that was their first craft beer. So we got oh, folks wow. in Chicago or you know in DC or, or all throughout Indiana that graduated from IU and they and they, they kind of that beer resonates with a lot of people. So that, that's okay. kind of fun about that. So. And I'm seeing some cans on my desk here. Do you guys, is that a beer that you put into cans? The the wit seems like the perfect. Yes, style. we do. Um, it's mainly in bottles, but we also do like throughout the summertime. We'll put it in a can, sixteen ounce. Okay, got it. That's when I like to do it. In summertime. I see your lager in a in can, can here, in JP, can. on our on our desk. I was, yeah. I was told, as I mentioned, that that was brought for you. Um, I'm appreciating it. I think yeah. it's actually called "Shut the Fuck Up, JP" lager. <laughs> yeah. you, you bitch enough, and you get what you want. Yeah, is really it's true. The squeaky wheel. Yeah, it's called "We Get It." You hate IPA lager, <laughs> so, and we we just rather not sit through that. Yeah. That's why, this that's why it's their number two. <laughs> right. It's it's uh, it's cleaner than a bullet to the head. Is this one the lager here? It's not that Bevo? old. That's the lager. <laughs> oh, this is the lager. The first one. Okay. <clears throat> Vienna lager. Vienna. It's a Vienna lager. Oh, even better. All right, well, let's start with that. Let's taste color. this beer before right. we get to the sour. I just heard lager, so I did not instantly assume Vienna lager. Um, uh, thank you guys for bringing me lagers, yes, by the thank way. thank you. Well, I, they brought it for JP. Yeah, but for you. Yeah, oh, God. True. No, they already told it was for me. <laughs> they, offline, they're like doggers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I appreciate you bringing the lager for me, guys. <laughs> Thank you. Right. Uh, well, they probably want your like opinion, but they just want JP to shut up. Right. That's true. Um, yeah. oh, mm, that's why I, I wasn't going to say well, it. Like, yeah. really nice melanoidin here. It smells wonderful. How much is did you bring? Nice segue. Tasty. Mm-hmm. One can. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> You're drinking it. Yeah. It's held up pretty well. It's really good. Oh, that is very good. Yeah. Nice. yeah and for this, we uh, we partner with a local maltster. So the base for this is a Vienna malt from Sugar Creek Malt near Indianapolis. Okay. This and what's to the me. Lullaby? How dark? How dark is it? I think it's about three point five. Yeah. yeah. Okay. This to me has all of the qualities I really love about a Negro Modelo, mm-hmm. without all the shit I really don't like. Right. Um, <laughs> you know that that mass produced flavor, the the adjunct that might be used it's in like it. It's like Spanish on the label. It's like <laughs> sweet. <laughs> uh, it has like this kind of sweet fullness to it. There's not. I mean, there's not a hop yeah. character to it at all. Um, yeah, but it's not cloying. Uh, right. It doesn't. It's not. I'm, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about Negro Modelo. Oh, the not Negro. This. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, okay, yeah. Which is yeah. That's the sweet one, which right. sticks mm-hmm. around a little. <clears throat> ch- I actually still like the beer. Uh, I will have that beer from time to time. Yeah, um, I have a six pack in my fridge right now. This is just right. like a. 85% better version of that to me. It has Absolutely. some of the same um, qualities. What did you guys use as your basis you know, for this recipe uh, to figure out how to make a real... Because it just tastes like a real Vienna lager to me, basically. It's actually just our first try. We got a brewer named Bill Mullins. Uh, he spent most of his time at Dogfish Head and... Uh, what was that place in Wisconsin he used to work? 
should give them a shout. Title Town, yeah, oh, yeah. In Wisconsin. So we've had them on the show. Um, yeah, Bill is our go-to guy for easy drinking stuff. Okay. Like he's an easygoing dude, and like anytime we got a recipe for like a nice English ale or something like that, he we just point to him and he does some research and comes out with a nice, nice easy drinking beer. He sounds yeah. like our Chad when we had a Chad. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. We're sort of kind of a Chad. We can call him once in a while. That's true. This is a no, troublemaker beer to me too. It's a little. It's it's a little too easy drinking for people like me who have no self control. This is true. Uh, I feel like this one just sneaks up on you after the six pack. You had it's so easy to drink, and then it you're just like, wonder. "Oh shit!" What's the ABV on it? It's about four seven. There you go. Mm-hmm. See, God damn it! What does the malt bill look like? You guys, have any of the details on that? So it's the vast majority. Of it, the majority of it is Vienna malt uh, from Sugar Creek Malt. There's um, is that local maltster? Local maltster okay. from Indianapolis, and um, there's a couple different types of Munich in there. A little bit of Crystal, I think Crystal sixty, mm-hmm. um, but that's all I can remember off the top of my head. That's interesting to me how authentic it tastes, but not with the majority of the malt being German. That's a good local maltster you guys have there, paying attention to how things are supposed to be done. Yeah, actually, um, he sources barley within 150 miles of uh, his location. They're okay. all German uh, barley varieties as well. Oh, okay. Great. And then just great at kilning and, and roasting that malt. And he's given us a discount for mentioning it right. <laughs> good. <laughs> You're done, you. <laughs> uh, yeah, I really like that. And then hops are German hops or, or no? Yeah, it's a blend of noble hops. Um, I cannot remember off the top of my head, but just... That's okay. Yeah, very low alpha. And they're all noble hops, uh, including the uh, bittering hop. Mm-hmm. Yeah? Okay. Is this a step-mashed beer? No, we actually cannot step-mash in our um, our core facility. How big is your brew house there in the core facility? 37 barrels. Okay. <laughs> now That's big. Yeah. <laughs> You guys started in, in you know twenty years ago. Uh, how many barrels would you say you know you were doing back then? Ten years ago, a year. What do you think? You, roughly, uh, I don't care. Ten years ago would have probably been around four thousand barrels. Okay. Maybe. Wow. Okay. And where do you think you're at now? Um, we'll probably be north of around seventeen thousand this year. Okay. So. Got it. Because you guys have grown really quite a bit over time. How many locations do you have? Um, so right now we've got, uh, in Bloomington, we've got three locations. Uh, our original brew pub uh, with a restaurant uh, right across the parking lot. We actually brew on that same system. That's what um, all of our sour beer production is brewed downtown. Okay. We will pump uh, underneath the parking lot. So we have two-inch stainless pipe uh, to knock out into the fooders in the wood shop right next door. So we've got a, nice. a cellar there. We're doing all of our... Um, you know, fruiting, cellaring, packaging, all in that facility. And then on the west side is where our main production facility is. Um, we also have a tap room there. So, okay. so that's Bloomington. And then uh, up in, in the Indianapolis area, we have a restaurant in Carmel. And then we also have a, tap, a little uh, tap room in Broad Ripple. Um, and then we just recently, last year, uh, opened up a restaurant in Columbus, Indiana. So that's about 45 minutes or so from Bloomington. Okay. So in California, when you have the, the production brewery license, you're then allowed like six locations to do to do tap rooms all under the same blanket. Does is, is that work the same in Indiana, or did you have to get a different brewery license every time you opened a location? Uh, no, we, no the brewery, we have two permits for the two breweries that we have in Bloomington. Okay. Got it. Yeah, and we're actually, uh, we don't have, uh, we're not brewing on site at those locations I just mentioned. Just tasting rooms. Yeah. yeah. So those fall under the brewery license, I assume. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and we're distributing to our own locations. Got it. Do you have a limit on the number of those that you could do? Do you know? 
I don't believe so. Okay. Well, that's nice. It's advantageous. Okay. Uh, and then I just want to back up real quick. You, you mentioned that you, you transfer uh, the beer from one building to another. Did you say underground when you do that? Yeah, so when yeah. we uh, were trying to figure out how to uh, kind of grow our, uh, some ca- capacity with our sours, uh, we used to store everything in a, a tiny little pole burn. So we'd brew into uh, one fooder, transfer out into barrels, and then store those barrels in this pole barn. Um, and um, when we did the expansion, we really wanted to um, kind of make it a little bit easier so we don't have to continue to transfer, yeah. especially by, across a very busy parking lot. So um, we buried this uh, two-inch stainless line. Um, it's got lots of uh, insulation and protection under under there. It's uh, underneath the frost line. Um, so we're going um, from the brew house up maybe 13 feet or so up to the facility. Okay. Um, so you guys had any issues with that? No, it's Do been working know? out great, actually. Yeah. Um, we're not seeing any major issues with the temperature dropping or cleaning or anything like that. It's, it's actually been working out great. Okay. I've, I've seen it done before. Uh, I just never talked to anybody about it. That's why I asked. And the only brewery I've ever seen, I'm sure there are several, but the one I saw who does it, Overground is Ninkasi, and they have these two buildings just across the street. And I, I just, I was, I was parking my shitty RV on that street actually one day <laughs> to because we were going to get drunk that night and need a place to pass out. And I just saw all of these enormous lines, you know, going overground. And so it, it's, it, it sounds like an obvious idea to move beer around. You're just figuring out how to do it. And you guys have freezing temperatures there, so overground maybe was an issue. Yeah, and and, and you know, um, it's not just a single line shift. So this, uh, it's a loop. So sure, we'll do. Yeah, yeah, we'll have a supply return. We'll CIP it really easily, okay. um, and uh, it's it's all very well insulated. It, it does get cold in Indiana, you know. Yeah. It's, it's not uh, terribly cold, but yeah, we'll get below freezing quite okay. in the rest of summer. Or, not or, terribly cold. Winter, not that's terrible. Just below, yeah, yeah, just just below, below freezing. freezing. That's yeah. all to us. That's terrible. It hardly hits the zero. Yeah. Your ears <laughs> fall off, but it's fine. You get a new one. Inhabitable. Yeah. All right, I was just curious. So, what's this next beer in our glass? I believe it's uh, one of the sour beers we're going to try tonight. Um, you guys know what we're drinking here? Yeah, so the next one should be uh, the Vino Synth White. So, this is, uh, we love this beer because um, it's, it's our connection with Oliver Winery. We, this is a, a, a sour beer that we add fresh grapes to. So, um, we this particular um, beer has Valvin Muscat grapes coming from Oliver's Creek Bend Vineyard. Okay. And um, this, this, again, it's the, this relationship we have with the winery has just been wonderful over the years. Um, yeah. We get our barrels from them. We also get grapes from them. Um, so the base beer for this, um, about 12 months old, and then we will add uh, these grapes in an age for about three months on the grapes. Re- full re-fermentation, let it completely dry out. Um, and we're adding about two and a half or so uh, pounds per gallon of, of grapes. Um, so it's it's got a really nice, vibrant grape character. Um, yeah. We've done some things with the winery where we've tasted um, that Valvin Muscat wine. Um, we've done events so just side by side with the wine. Um, you know, what they're trying to really do is just really hone in on just that grape character. And it, it really comes through in this beer. I think you're right. Um, you, I get a little bit of that orange blossom, uh, almost like a floral um, kind of perfume character, um, a little bit of honey. Um, it's Honeysuckle, like honey the flower. Yep, yeah, yep, dude. Yep, yeah, yeah, for sure. Really, really beautiful. Wow. <clears throat> and I think just the right amount of sourness for, for the sweetness of those grapes and the honey. Yeah. Yeah, well, especially if you're you know you're working with like a white wine base, essentially is kind of how I look at it. Those can be kind of tart, yeah, as well. 
So I think it's not out of the realm of possibility for for a white wine drinker to gravitate to something like this, and you can you can really play with that tartness uh, too. And yeah, it's uh, it's really good. It is good. Is it a blend of of multiple years or anything, or just a blend of all the barrels maybe that you used? Yeah, I mean, it, um, Adam's you know uh, his his main uh, role at the, at the wood shop is to do sensory and blending. So what he does on a on a routine basis is he's sampling individual barrels and then also kind of all, all of our fooders. So this particular batch um, um, could have some beer that is north of twelve months old, but then possibly some fooder beer to kind of uh, kind of bring, balance that acidity a little bit. So it's, okay. it really is a blend every time we're we're making a batch. It's not ever um, shouldn't say ever. We've done one beer where it's been one fooder, oh. but everything else we've ever done is a blend of barrels. Um, and so it's something you're sounds like maybe that you're keeping this particular beer going constantly, so that you always have beer to blend in. And in other words, it's not a seasonal beer. It wasn't a one off. This is always available. The, the base beer is yeah. always is always uh, in the tank. Uh, this particular beer, we don't, we'll only make it when we get the grapes. Um, ra- actually, right around this time of year. Okay. Yeah, the, the vast majority of the sour beers we do are one single base malt bill, so we just call it bases. And so, <clears throat> the blend for the sour reserve we're about to taste, and virtually everything that we do with fruit in it is all that one, like lambic style. Um, Got blonde, it. Sour blonde beer. You so, know, most of the breweries that we've tried I've, uh, that we like the most tend to have that. They don't just keep going crazy with that base beer. They find the one that works and then let the yeast and the fruit do the rest of the talking. Right? How do you guys yeah. go about adding uh, the bacteria and wild yeast? Well, everything starts um, with a – we grow up a like a starter of uh, the Y-yeast Lambic blend uh, for most of them and then Rosalera for a couple ones. But we also let – whatever's going on in our wood keep doing its thing um so we have a lot of things in the wood that we didn't put in there mm-hmm. and actually uh, matt bachman at indiana university who you guys had on the sour hour okay uh he did an analysis of all the stuff that we had living in several of our fooders and everything and found uh, a few characteristic microorganisms one of which was lactobacillus acetotolerance so that guy is like the master of what's going on in a lot of our fooders so okay one microorganism that's <laughs> producing probably the majority of the uh, lactic acid but we are starting each new batch with the uh, the Y East Lambic blend. Okay, and then just let what's left in the barrels keep working. Okay, all right. And then what form? Uh, what do you guys do to the grapes to put them in? You smash them or they whole? No, actually, uh, well, sturdy. The, the first year yeah. we did it, we you know we uh, we really uh, a lot of what we do is all hand processed. So um, for peaches, we'll you know cut them by hand, remove the stone uh, for the grapes. Uh, the first year, we actually got whole grapes in um, and pulled them off of uh, uh, by our, you know each individual grape one by one. It right. took uh, an insane amount of time. So uh, the next year, we asked uh, you know Dennis at, at Oliver if he could you know run it through his destemmer for us. So, okay, nice. <laughs> so now, so now um, they, they have to set it up a little bit differently, but they'll bypass uh, some of their equipment. Um, and then get it into totes for us. Um, and as soon, that, that morning when they start processing, we'll send our truck over there, uh, take the grapes, and then and, uh, immediately put them into the tanks, add the beer to it. So there's still so, whole grapes as you're right, putting in the tanks. everything's whole grapes. Not uh, in the barrel. Those are in tanks to, to start with. Okay. So they, they don't crush the grapes? But they're cracked <laughs> open, right, from the distemming process a little bit? Yeah, yeah they're okay. exposed. Yeah, they are yeah. exposed. Yeah. Oh, okay. But yeah. you're not yeah. crushing them. Yes, yes. But yeah. it's, not, it's not pressed. It's not crushed. Not juice. No, that not happens juice. after the fermentation. Get all, all so, yeah. Get the meat and the juice together. After the feet. Yeah, after the feet, after the feet get in there, and how 
How long are they in that first tank that you, you put them in? Uh, three months. So okay. um, the primary it goes through re-fermentation about three to four weeks, and that's you know it's it's going to be real active the first couple of weeks, um, and then we let it just continue to finish out and dry out. Really, uh, uh, really want these beers to finish really nice and dry. Yeah, uh, not a lot of resi- not a lot of residual sweetness uh, in the finish for these. Uh- I think you've achieved that. Stellar beer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Nice. And this came in one of these bottles here? Yeah. 750s that you guys uh, put on the shelf? Yeah, the 750s, um, for the most part, we're, we're selling those out through our own retail locations. Uh, these are a lot of our small batches. So these, th- these what we're drinking here today, are, are, are really um, probably less than 15 barrels, 15-barrel uh, batches. Wow. Uh, Burst barrels. Mm-hmm. Um, but then uh, what we're having in the, in the market is more uh, 500 mil format. We do have a couple of 750 mils, uh, our cherry and our peach. Okay. Uh, but most of what you guys may see out, out in this area would be 500 mil uh, bottles. Got it. And, and, and also on draft. Well, thanks for sharing the small batch stuff with us. All right. I've got Brian from Tell City, Indiana on the phone. He's got a question about your opinion of uh, Indiana University expanding into the restaurant and bar scene. You might have to give us a little background on if you know any anything about it. But, uh, hey, Brian, you there? Yeah, I am. How's it going? It's going well. Thanks for calling in, man. Thank you. Um, so I, I know that, uh, like, recently Yogi's, that establishment, uh, which is a bar that's been around for – I don't know how long it was there when I was a student, which was from 99 to 2003. And it just recently closed in July. So I was kind of wondering their take on, you know, like the university's there, and obviously that's their huge customer base. But at the same time, is that kind of viewed as the nature of doing business in a college town, or is that sort of met with some hesitation because, you know, they're expanding and another business goes down and they lose some taps and all that kind of stuff. So what do you mean, just so I know, by expanding? The, the university itself is opening bars and restaurants? No, 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 no. Oh. They they uh, purchased the land where the bar was located. And I intend, see. I, I believe intend to repurpose that for buildings or whatever else. So they're essentially, you're just saying their expansion is taking up commercial retail property around the university. Right. Okay. Right. Got it. Guys, have have any opinion on that? So we don't know a lot about that. At least I don't. But um, I know that it wasn't like a, it wasn't like a hostile takeover or anything. So the okay. Owners, the owners of Yogi's had they agreed um, to sell it and uh, don't know a lot of the details. So don't necessarily want to comment comment on it. And, yeah. Uh, you know. Say okay. The wrong thing. But uh, we we were friends with people at Yogi's and we did several events over there and it was always great. Great place to hang out and sad to see it go. Right. The local community college here offered me $75 to move out of our space, and I was I was actually ready to go, yeah. but my partners well, they all didn't agree. also offered us an intern. <laughs> an intern and 75 bucks, which is what sold it for me. I still don't see an intern. Yeah. They're not interested in the property. They just want you to not be doing it. <laughs> yeah, they just wanted me out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they said, we'll give you 75 bucks, and in turn... You leave, <laughs> right. and then Doc heard intern and yeah, got divorced. Where is so. she? <laughs> Brian, thank you for the call. I appreciate it very much. Uh, if anybody else wants to call in, ask these guys some questions. It's triple eight four zero one beer eight 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 four zero one beer, and Bevo will take your call if she's paying attention. Um, you can also hit the chat room on our website and send questions that way. All right, what's next in our glass? Next is the Sour Reserve. So this is a blend of some of our favorite barrels. Uh, we have one, two, and three-year-old stuff in here. And I'll actually, I'm going to hand this off to Adam because this is kind of his baby here. Okay. He's, uh, or here he comes. 
Adam does. Uh, he heads up our quality department on both the sour and the clean side, and he does our our blending for us. Got it. Sour. This beer tastes familiar to me, and that's either because it's just a world class beer, or I might have had it before at GABF or something. It's a wonderful sour. Could have been. This is our uh, eighth eighth vintage of this, so okay, it's been around a little while. Tell us about the beer. Um, I guess there's not a lot to add. Although, I mean, you know, we've uh, we're constantly sort of sampling what we've got in our cellar and looking for the best barrels and identifying those and uh you know when the time comes for for making a new blend each each year we go through and we we sort of uh start start identifying which which attributes we like from each of those barrels and sort of thinking about uh you know how to how to add layers of complexity in there and uh and what fruits in this beer? Nothing at all. It's Nothing. Just, it's just the the basis. A lot of apricot flavor uh, yeah, yeah. going on. Just citrus in general. So I I really just assumed sure. you put apricots in there. Yeah, we get a lot of uh, pear and, and peach character. Okay. Um, in addition to lemon and and, and that sort of thing. Some yeah, grapefruit that that just comes out of the the basis itself. Okay. And but this is a blend of uh, more than one vintage. Correct. Yeah. So you know we're. We're sort of always holding on to a little bit, up to about three years, and so, um, you know, we're it's 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 a majority a little bit younger, but we're adding the older older vintages in in order to add some deeper, richer, you know, just more interesting flavors in there. Got it. How much of this do you release a year? Oh, I think this year the blend was eight wine barrels, so hmm. I forgot the exact okay. volume of the... Okay. Warren will tell you in about two nanoseconds. Yeah. Whenever you're ready, I'll tell you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, roughly 16 barrels. There you go. The aroma is exactly what I'm looking for in a sour beer. And when, mm-hmm. I, when I smell a sour beer, it is a, that's exactly what I want to Sure. Happen. You know, we're, we're looking for a blend of sort of the... You know the the fruity notes that you mentioned, and also that that funky character that you get from the long aging. And there is, well but it's not. And I want to know that there's a bunch of funk there, but I don't mm-hmm. want to pucker already when I'm when I'm just checking out the aroma of a beer, and that can happen very quickly. Like you could just go, yeah. oh shit, is <laughs> well, that going to be? Have, you can have funk and depth, but it doesn't need to be tart and acidic. Yeah, and I think that these are 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 riding that line. And uh, and giving you some complexity, yeah, without stripping enamel, exactly, and just, yeah, burning your nose, any of those. Things. And I'm yeah. not even there. Are, there are wonderful sours that have an aroma I don't love, like this one, uh, that are not burning or anything like that. But yeah, this right. one, I'm telling you, just sets me up right away. I know that I'm going to like that beer. Well, one thing that's we've been able to control a lot better since we got into the new facility is we. Uh, most of our tartness is, is now just a lactic acid kind of a thing. So I see. Been able to pull back the acetic, and that that mainly has to do with uh, I think exposure to oxygen. We use a lot more fooder beer, so but the okay. surface area is less. So you're getting less oxygen exchange than you would from a barrel, so we develop less acetic character, and that's really that sharpness that really hits your glands. You know, yeah. okay. smell it. So most of most of our beers are, are very lactic forward and very clean tartness, and this one because we've got up to three year old beer in it, um, usually from barrels, not straight from the fooder. Um, then uh, you know it's got a little more of that funk it's got a little more of that acid complexity mm-hmm. but uh it's adam's job to make sure it's not too much and the, and the ad is the ass is not really right up front where oh wow sorry i drank that kind of stuff <laughs> um it's certainly there later it almost yeah. oh, yeah. the, the well, amount of acid in here almost cleans your palate for you yeah. it's it's yes. bright yeah it, it, well, yeah it kind of rounds it nicely and sure and yeah, when I was building this uh, this particular blend out, I was kind of identifying barrels that that sort of had those elements either 
beginning, middle, or end acidity and, and making sure we got some of those in there so that it was a sort of start-to-finish, uh, you know, nice character, but yeah. not overwhelming in any one aspect. Sure. Was the, the base beer for this the same as the uh, beer we just had right before? Correct, yeah. Basis is what we call it. It's a... Uh, yeah, it's that, that Belgian, you know, sour blonde. Mm-hmm. So it was just a no fruit and then yeast or, or bacteria-driven fermentation that did all this. Correct. And, of so course, yeah. a blend. Yeah, it would have started out in a fooder, and then usually, you know, we're pulling off the fooders for some of the, uh, you know, more high-volume high, high volume beers we're doing out of that program. And then what's left behind, we typically move into the barrels and age for longer. Okay. And it, then you use that to blend with a fooder for your next vintage, basically. Correct, yeah. Okay. Yeah, we can kind of use it for anything. Um, if we if we want to add just a little bit more complexity or deeper, richer richer character to any of these beers, we, we lean on those barrels. Got it. I noticed that this beer is darker in color than the first one. When you age the same beer three years, is there some oxidation and hence darkening of color? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, we're, we're using the wood because it's porous and it allows that microoxidation. And so we certainly see the longer that these things sit in there and develop that they, they get that sort of copper hue to it that, that the younger stuff doesn't have. Got it. How long do you guys use your barrels? Do you retire them or um, just your barrels? Sure. So, you know, we're trying to maintain them for as long as possible. Yeah. So, um basically until they won't hold liquid anymore so you know we've got some guys that are pretty well are pretty good at sort of keeping them mm-hmm. keeping them tight and the, the whole program set up so that we're never really sitting they're never sitting empty uh so those staves never have time to dry out um as soon as we get get done with something we're, we're generally brewing any of them get to it like too funky it's it's happened yeah yeah we you know see less of that now that we've opened up the new facility we've just got everything sort of uh, a lot, lot more under control at this point. Got it. So you're not really looking for a lot of wood or even wine flavor anymore from these barrels. You're looking for them to withhold some of the yeast and the bugs that you want them to have. And then they're just a storage vessel that has that. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I mean, yeah. And like you're talking about the micro-oxidation and you know, that little bit of oomph with them. Yeah. yeah. What's I've- your process of then of... Of blending, you know, a beer like this, and are there other people involved, or do you just sit there with your five glasses and a hundred <laughs> barrels and figure that shit out? No, I, I couldn't do it all myself. So, um, you know, I've got we we've Not got with our, that attitude. <laughs> <right>. <laughs> uh, we've got an awesome team. Um, it's my job to make sure that everybody is uh, staying up on their sensory training, and so we're constantly doing all flavor training positive flavor training all that so that people can speak the same language and we can we can know how to you know really uh assess these beers correctly and so assess your own palate too i mean you've got to know where you stand and how strong your palate is or how weak it is and you need to know who's got a good palate who doesn't yeah yeah and that's a big part of that program is identifying who's who's able to to taste different things and you know, who, who we should trust on the team. Right. <laughs> Have you had any people that, like, uh, I'm just thinking of, like, a baseball player who's, like, they're your badass this season, but they've really fallen off. Yeah. Like, if you yeah. had to kick anybody All off the cocaine. team because their palate just stopped working. Is that Vote them off the island. <laughs> yeah, like, listen, you were great last season, but we're sending you down to spring training, down to uh, minors. Well, what we, what we do see is, like, some people are really in tune with certain off flavors more so than maybe the general public would be. And so... 
maybe they're not always the best person to take a sample to if you suspect something's there because uh, you know they might pick up on something you might overstate it too exactly yeah. okay. exactly and they so might they're... say something you don't want to hear <laughs> right yeah. yeah yeah shut up and go back to work <laughs> yeah well again as long as you know they're hypersensitive to a flare then you just deal with it you got other people that are like you know got it all in check and you run it by them as well yeah exactly and that's the power of the panels yeah are there any like instruments used really to evaluate or do this? Or it seems like sour beer is is almost I mean a hundred percent sensory. So what we do use a lot is a combination of you know pH and uh, okay. titratable acidity. So that that gets us a little bit closer to sort of uh, the strength of the acids in each. So so when we're building out a particular brand we're we're sort of targeting a certain acidity level okay and that's what we use so you know you're, you're essentially just uh you're neutralizing the acids with a base up to a certain point and then there's a little bit of arithmetic used to to figure out what that that total or titratable acidity value is can you is can you give me kind of a basic un, like explanation of tritatable uh, tritatable acidity depending on which method you're using but Okay. Yeah, it's a really simple wet chemistry method. You're adding in um, sodium hydroxide into a certain measured amount of, of the beer, and then you're, you've got a pH meter in it. You're looking for it to uh, get to a certain point. Okay. And then based on how much of the sodium hydroxide you used, you run that through a simple calculation, and that gives you the total acidity number so you're acidity. so you're taking those two numbers the ph and then your your target titratable acidity and that's what you're you're going for and you Generally. and you might blend it you know it might be too high so you know you have to add something with a lower acidity to get it to where you want right okay and you know, you know like you said that's that's sort of just playing against then the sensory part of it so yeah you know obviously the sensory is the most important part but yeah the uh the, the acidity really comes into Comes into question when you're talking about like drinkability and these things, you know. And will you uh, adjust those targets, or do, do you guys pretty much have a standard acidity you're looking for, or is that just based on the beer? Oh, you know, I'd say if we get a lot of feedback or decide as you know as a team that this certain beer is maybe a little bit too much, we might bring it back. Okay. There's there's also another element here where we're using so much whole fruit. And when you bring in whole fruit, that's going to change year to year, especially when you're getting it from, you know, small producers. When, you know, a big part of this program is to try to support our local farmers in the, in the region. So we're using a lot of locally sourced or, or Midwestern sourced fruits. And any given year, those are going to come in with different sugar contents and different acidity. And so we're trying to match a base beer with those fruits, with what we think the acidity level is going to be so that we don't overwhelm anything. Got it. For instance, like blackberries or raspberries, kiwis are going to be really acidic fruits, and so we're going to use a little bit lower acidity uh, whenever we're putting those on beer in order to not make an overwhelming finished product. Got it. And then are these reconditioned in the bottle? Uh, Yeah, the 750s are. They are. Okay. So they go in... Flat, essentially, no carbonation. Correct. And uh, do you have to add yeast back for that? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we're we're using a uh, a dry yeast actually, and and I think you guys spoke to Matt Bachman about uh, he helped us out with a with a bottle carbonation issue we were having with one of our beers that was particularly really high in acidity okay. in in alcohol strength. But uh, 
Yeah, it's it's pretty straightforward process. We you know we have some equations we use for um, sugar and, and yeast additions. And so you do have to add sugar as well. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Makes sense. By then, it, they're very dry. There's, it's probably like Britannomyces might eat something left in it, but that's about it. There's nothing left for Saccharomyces. Yeah, okay. Got it. And then I know you guys are using a, a, a YE strain. Uh, do you know uh, there's got to be some Britannomyces in that, too, not just lacto and PDO? Correct. Right? Yeah. There's, okay. Yeah. There's, uh, I believe the, the Lambic blend's got seven or eight different species in it. Got it. Uh, when you guys are growing it up, uh, do you have trouble with the lacto and PDO? It's easy to grow up the other ones, but not so much those. Sure, guys. you know we've. I think we're doing pretty good with it. We've, you know, we've even done some kettle souring sort of on the other side of the program, and and understand how those those organisms work as well. So okay, though we do for for most of our beers, um, not the sour reserve, but for most of them, they're now pasteurized actually. So the single microorganism in the bottle that's doing the work is yeah. going to be. It's called CDC one is the yeast that we use, and so we pasteurize because we want to. We we've done some some uh tasting of some older bottles as as the years have gone by and we found that especially for the fruited lambics uh lambic style beers they change um in a negative way for us so there, okay. there's something different and we prefer it to be as we put it in the bottle for as long as it can be that way so most of our products are now pasteurized except for a couple uh the sour reserve we do want to it's kind of our our take on a goose and we want it to be uh we want it to evolve in the bottle but for most of that stuff especially the fruited stuff we're trying to uh, kind of freeze it where it's at yeah. and, and keep it there. You got it where you want sure, it. And, that's a good idea. Yeah. yeah. We, un, we're unashamed of the pastures. We're good, we'll go, you know, no, that's, that's some, sometimes like a contentious thing, you know, but we think that's a great. No, that's like, that's, yeah. and the ale, if you're making an ale or something like that, that's, that's a taboo, but you're just trying to freeze the beer. Right. It has a, per, yeah. it has a real purpose, yeah, especially right. with yeah. beers that are so living like these, yeah. right? <clears throat> uh, get it where you want it and then don't let it fuck that it's up. Cutting sulfates for grapes or something. It's like your There's another element to that too that's sort of like a, a, a a responsibility that we feel um you know we we never did draft sours before but we started doing that when we've uh, built up this program with the with the wood shop and we didn't want to be responsible for infecting people's draft lines out there with all these organisms so okay. we made the decision to pasteurize everything that goes out draft hmm. so hmm. that you know we're not the guys out there that's interesting i don't think anyone's ever talked to us about that that's i it. never thought of of course we've we've thought yeah. about um beer lines uh, and the flavor that could be imparted in them but i guess i never really thought about the yeast it could be there uh, you guys yes, ever have the argument like no it's not us <laughs> yeah well yeah i mean we, we we started doing that before we ever sent anything out so okay. yeah, oh you did okay it never it never got to that point but certainly like you know pediococcus or some of the others can get inside the plastic and and wreak havoc so that's fully gone when it goes into the bottle, and then it's just a standard Saccharomyces, probably something clean like a California ale type of, of yeast after that. Everything. To, to it's carbonate. called CBC1. It's yeah. a fermentous product. and uh, it's Oh, Lalamond, yeah. Okay. So, um, and it's it's specifically designed for uh, re-fermentation. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah, it's actually got a reduced genome, is from what I understand. So that so does Warren. Yeah, <laughs> interesting. It sounds smart, but it, but it, it has less. It has less ability to ferment complex sugars. So we're you know we're adding dextrose in at just the level we want to get the exact level of carbonation we want. Wow! And then that way we don't have to worry about it over over attenuating inside mm. the bottle and creating or any create, sort of taking out the flavors from exactly. The, yeah. Yeah. Like I said, and forget it. Exactly. Oh, that's cool. Now, at that point, then, is there a reason that you wouldn't just carbonate, you know, force carbonate it before going into bottling? 
Well, part of it is just the high level of carbonation that we're going for in in the bottles themselves. So okay. Where it's you know three point five to four in some cases, so very volumes of CO two. So it's it's very high, and it's something that you it's very hard to work with logistically unless you do it inside the bottle. That makes sense. Okay. And so you must have a. a temperature control facility that you, at least you're you're doing the bottle pr- conditioning in is the whole barrel aging facility temperature controlled yeah that w- that was a big change for us when we built out the wood shop before we we had very little temperature control and we saw a lot of fluctuation but in the current facility we can maintain things really well and maintain the r- the right um, sort of humidity level and uh definitely seen seen improvement still so fascinating to me how simple of a thing and how it seems to be the most important thing between that and oxygen the most important thing all the time and we talk you know home brewers we we still talk about it with and and brewers and it's obvious right like all of your ales and your lagers you would never think about not having them temp controlled but for so long i think here um or at least in the beginning so many brewers you know you you couldn't i guess refrigerate everything you temp control everything but now you just everybody realized how much that makes a difference Rare barrel choosing their city based on temperature right. control. Right. Right. The, yeah. the minimal fluctuations in their in in the weather in Berkeley and their building building's ability to maintain that, so that they didn't have to pay for temperature control equipment. Cheap bucks, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cheap or smart. I, that's the True. thing. That's the thing I've always wondered about Jamil. I haven't decided yet if he's cheap or <laughs> smart because all the things he does are so like efficient that yeah. way. Could be both. That uh, yeah, yeah, he's cheap and smart. Right. They could could go hand in hand. <laughs> right. All well, right, I got to get us to, to just a quick break. Now, we've got some more beer to try, including one on our glass that I already tried. It's just awesome. What beer is that we're going to talk about when we come back? That's the raspberry. That's a really nice beer. All right. I like that a lot. Uh, before we go, uh, speaking of all this yeast, did you know that White Labs has added 16 new strains to the vault for homebrewers? You can go to whitelabs.com slash the vault and place a pre-order for one of the strains. And once it hits 150 orders, you'll get the strain shipped right to your door. But there's more. You can also purchase specialty strains straight from the vault. Um at homebrew shops, two different pre-selected strains will be available at retail locations every two months. So this way, you don't have to wait for those pre-orders to hit. So just check your local homebrew retailer and pick up the strains. And uh, go to whitelabs.com slash the vault and check out all the different things that you can purchase as a homebrewer. Uh, they got some good stuff there. All right. When we come back, more beer uh, we're going to taste from the guys at Upland. we got a lot of different sour beers to try. So hang in there. It's the session. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Brewcasters. The Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. Your support of the Brewing Network means everything to us. We couldn't produce shows without you. And we love giving you something extra for that support. Like brew your own magazine you already know it's a great brewing magazine full of recipes equipment how to's discussions of beer styles and brewing techniques whether you're new to brewing and just starting out or you're an old pro you'll always learn something from the articles in brew your own plus they're amazing special issues like plans for building a brutus 10 system 250 classic clone recipes and the home brewers answer book brew your own magazine and byo.com are awesome resources for 
Penny Brewer. Whether for yourself or as a gift, when you subscribe or resubscribe from the Brewing Network homepage, you directly support programs like this. Get a great magazine and support the Brewing Network. Subscribe to Brew Your Own right from thebrewingnetwork.com. Do you know the three most important rules in brewing? Sanitation, sanitation, and sanitation. And no one does it better than Five Star Chemicals. Five Star knows sanitation. You can only sanitize clean equipment. And Five Star knows how to clean, too. For craft brewers and home brewers, Five Star has what you need to keep your fermenters, serving tanks, kegs and draft lines sparkling and free of any beer-spoiling bacteria. PBW, caustic, acid cleaners, star sand, Santa Clean, lubricants and defoamers, pH stabilizers, and more. Five Star Chemicals has cleaning supplies, safety supplies, heat exchangers, pumps, hoses, and valves. And Five Star is proud to offer eco-friendly products that exceed customer expectations. If you have a cleaning problem, you need the Five Star Solution. Visit FiveStarChemicals.com or call 800-782-7019. 800-782-7019. And get the Five star treatment today are you looking for a simple brewing system that's great for all green brewing but everything on the market seems to be full of compromises blickman engineering has the answer the blickman brew easy all grain brewing system the brew easy is a complete system with easy upgrades and a beautiful compact design perfect for any size brewing location at its core the brew easy is built on two gorgeous blickman boilermaker brew kettles a high temperature march pump and either a top tier gas burner or the new boil coil electric heater the brew easy adapter lid allows the pots to stack on top of each other, forming an efficient, strong, and compact brewing setup that comes in 5, 10, and 20-gallon batch sizes. Upgrade your BrewEasy system with full automated control by adding a Blickman Tower of Power temp controller and make moving around easy with the Blickman Kettle Cart. The BrewEasy is modular. If you already own a Boilermaker kettle, you can build your BrewEasy by purchasing just the modules you need. The new BrewEasy all-grain brewing system. See it today at BlickmanEngineering.com and brew with Blickman quality on your new BrewEasy. If you work in retail sales, the restaurant industry, or are a new craft beer enthusiast, or you know someone who is, you have got to check out Beer 101. Beer 101 is an online course created for anyone wanting a quick introduction to the vast world of craft beer. Beer 101 covers the history of beer, brewing ingredients and processes, vital stats like ABV, SRM, IBU and gravity, styles, tasting, glassware, and pairing beer with food. The Beer 101 course is offered by the Brewers Association at craftbeer.com, also home to the truly awesome Beer Style Finder, a visual guide to every beer style. Quickly play with color, bitterness, and alcohol content to interactively explore the entire world of beer styles with a gorgeously designed interface to your favorite beverage. The new Beer 101 course and new Beer Style Finder are only available at craftbeer.com. Craftbeer.com, celebrating the best of American beer. Hi, this is Wayne Wombles from Cigar City Brewing, and you're listening to the session on the Brewing Network. 
Welcome back to the show. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. We got the guys from Upland Brewing here on the program. And uh, let's see, where you can go? Uplandbeer.com if you want to check it out. Uplandbeer.com. You can find out uh, about all their locations and where you can find the beer. So do that. Learn about these guys. You're going to want to taste this beer, I promise. And then also, uh, hey, iDip. We've been talking about the iDip here on the show for a while. That's right. Uh, great product. The Smart Brew Water Testing Kit incorporates a revolutionary photometer uh, system, which is the first and only one on the market with its own app. Uh, you can use it for home or commercial use, and it takes great water to make great beer. You know that. The only meter on the market that runs water tests with no math needed on your part. The iDip pairs via Bluetooth and updates your water results instantly to your own personal water profile. The app's really the brain of the system that allows limitless possibilities, including lab accuracy, free upgrades, test customization. Email the results to the rest of your brewers uh, or post to your Facebook page and let your nerdy beer friends know about uh, things. You know, Nerds! In your homebrew club and everything else. So, uh, It tests for things like total alkalinity, chloride, calcium hardness, pH, sulfate, and more. Great for making sour beers like we're talking about today, of course, and only four milliliters of water needed for each test. So... Also, there's a little Brewing Network special going on right now. Podcast listeners, just enter code TBN10 at checkout and save 10 bucks on either the standard or advanced smart brew testing kit. Uh, order now and make this futuristic technology part of your brewing process over at smartbrewkit.com. Go check it out. All right. Like I said, we're hanging out with Pete, Matt, and Adam from Upland Brewing Company. And uh, we've got some more beer of theirs to taste in our glass. Now... The beer I mentioned just before the break, what was that one again? This, this the raspberry. 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 The raspberry. Which now I was looking at your at your page, and there are just a ton of different sour beers listed there. If you go look up uh, beer, uh, where you, you see all kinds of different fruit that you guys have used. You uh, you mentioned that you try to source locally and help the farmers uh, in the region. Uh, Indiana, of course, being a enormous farming state, right? Probably the largest. Uh, domestic product that Indiana produces is is agriculture? Well, mostly corn and soybeans, but you can okay. find some fruit in there, too, if you look hard enough. <laughs> yeah, man. I've driven through Indiana before, and um, yeah, a lot of corn. Uh, corn, <laughs> corn everywhere. Um, so that's interesting. Um, you got head, headphone... Vo- oh, you got just headphone pulled out of there. There you go. Now you can hear yourself again. Uh, which may or may not be a good thing. I don't know. <laughs> That's up to you. All right, well, tell us about this beer in our glass. Yeah, so this is our raspberry. We've been making this for a uh, number of years. It's uh, you know, traditionally used fruit. So um, this we're actually adding whole raspberries. Um, for most of our fruits, though, before we add them to the barrel, we're actually going to freeze them, thaw them, allow them to kind of macerate, uh, kind of let the cell walls break down a little bit before we add to the beer. Okay. Uh, we'll add it uh, into a wine barrel through the bung. Um, and, again, this one, the uh, fruiting rate's uh, probably north of around three pounds per barrel, three, three, point, three and a half pounds per barrel. I'm sorry, pounds per gallon uh, of raspberries for this. So our goal on this one is really to just really showcase the fruit. Um, it's uh, like drinking, you know, drinking a raspberry. Yeah. It's really, uh, really fruit-forward. Um, finish again the three months of fermentation, uh, refermentation, uh, kind of lets it completely dry out, um, and just really nice, beautiful uh, fruit forward finishes dry. Um, 
and uh, not, not uh, in this particular beer, you know, the, the malt, the hops, it, it's, it's not about any of that stuff. It's, it's really about the fruit. And, and a lot of the beers that we name, uh, <coughs> we'll, we'll name them just the single fruit, raspberry, guava, cherry, cherry peach. Um, that's just a very simple way for us to uh, to to name the beer. It's, it's way easier to name beers if, that sure. way, to be honest. It's a... Uh, but uh, for some of our others where we will add a fruit and maybe some other spice or something else, we'll, we'll, we'll have a more fanciful name. So, Got it. Um, so it like, seems obvious, right? It seems like a simple way to do this. People know exactly what they're getting. Right, right. So it's, I mean, and we've been doing that for, for a long time, uh, of naming them just the single fruit. So, so that's, all, that's all we have here. It's just, just all raspberry. Um, and, again, it's one of the fruits that we've been using for a long time and okay. we'll continue to, to be making this one. It, it seems like a fruit-forward beer that you, you have no choice but to make it a fruit showcase beer it has so much it's such a strong character it would seem if not impossible but pointless to mute it right um and that and the raspberry really does come through obviously uh it comes with its own tartness its own you know sourness in in some ways too so i'm wondering if you have to sort of tone down then this sour part of your beer with you know blend it out or something with a beer like this so that it's not just overly puckering. Yeah, that's kind of what Adam was talking about earlier. So the, the selection of the base beer that we're going to age this uh, this uh, fruit on, um, we, we are looking at that, making sure that it's that the base beer itself isn't, isn't highly acidic because we know we're going to get some of that contribution from this particular fruit. Yeah. Um, but then what about what we, we, we don't actually blend back in any other uh, base beer. We, we will transfer it out of that barrel. Um, right into a tank to package. So we're, we're not doing any post-fruiting uh, kind of blending afterwards on this particular beer. Got it. Now, I doubt there's a raspberry farm in Bloomington. So how do you, how do you, the interest, locally sourced? Yeah, we've, over the years, you know, um, there is a local farmer that does do raspberries. And sometimes uh, we keep... How does you harvest those? Uh, well, well uh, it's, all, it's all by hand. I was going to say, I think... Handpicked, straw, yeah. Handpicked, uh, but uh, it just depends on the year. Like this year, we unfortunately um, we we couldn't get them. From, they didn't have a big enough field for us to to do it. So, so you brought so, it in frozen. Yeah, we, well, we brought them in through another supplier. But they were fresh and you froze. Uh, yes, we, we bring them in fresh. Yep. Now, Tasty, I know you're from this area, but I'm curious. Wh- oh, why I did you? you the class, same. I wonder why you you'd, you'd think it's a, a fruit they wouldn't have. Is it a labor force that you think doesn't yeah, I mean, exist to me, for this? Like, yeah, the yeah. whole agriculture is based on equipment that you need to plant it and harvest yeah, it. Yeah, got it. Uh, you, you know, like apple orchard or peach orchard is kind of a whole different. Thing. I understand. Okay, we have a lot of like hand labor here to do that kind of stuff. Yeah, California's different that way. Machinery. At three and a half pounds per barrel, what's your uh, actual beer yield when you're pulling this beer out of a wine barrel? One barrel. Yeah, that's a good question. So uh, what we had done traditionally, some of our beers were using fruiting tanks, and we're putting it, you know, we've got a sight glass on there, and we're putting the fruit in, and we're putting the beer on top of it. Uh, but for, for for this one, we're still in the barrel, right? And yeah, yeah. So um, over the years, you know, yield is, is something that we've uh, learned a little bit about. Um, we'll use a rack and cane, similar to like a bulldog. Um, but one year, um, we kind of figured out a way to attach um, uh, basically a screen around that bulldog, mm-hmm. and it really greatly improved our yield. So you know, if a, out of a say a sixty gallon Barrett wine barrel. Sure. We're probably pulling out 45, 50 gallons. Oh, wow. Yeah. So this screen exists inside the barrel? So it's uh, outside the bulldog, So bas- or, or basically outside that tube. So um, okay. it was as actually... Screen found them. I'm sorry? Yes. The screen Exactly. Right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> 
Oh, yeah, like the one exactly I use at home. Exactly like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, punch holes in your condom. Yeah. Candy well, probably I punches holes. She does. Yeah. yeah. She's yeah. hoping. Well, better airflow. Yeah. 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 It breathes better. Yeah. Yeah. So we've got a guy that works for us, and he's Bender. Uh, he he's really great with welding, and uh, he 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 uh, rigged something else for, up for us to use that, and that, that was one step that we put in place uh, several years ago that really helped with the transfers uh, and, and some of the yield. Oh, okay. Now, and I would ask this of any fruit that you use, but you mentioned specifically that this is one that you'll freeze and then thaw and, and use. Are you, uh, is one of the things you're looking to do is to kill off the natural microbials that might be on this fruit, or do you want to have that in the beer? No, I mean, we really, we, it's, it's, it's a mild, you know, kill step, but at the, at the same time, we, we do want some of that fresh, uh, the fresh fruit, some of the other microflora that's, that's living on the skins. Um, the grapes is one um, that we go straight into the barrels, um, and we kind of we talked about Matt Bachman earlier, um, and one of the experiments that we or one of the, the things that we're studying is we're pulling from our fooders, pulling from our barrels, uh, individual barrels that we've been using in the program for a number of years, and and some of the barrels we found um, for barrels that we actually put maybe a couple of different types of fruit in there, mm-hmm. um, the microbiota there is so different. Uh, there's lots of great things going on there, so. Uh, so, yeah, we definitely want uh, some of what's going on in the skins, kind of, kind of getting into the wood, uh, keeping close eye and control on that on that as well. But, um, but yeah, that is that is a part of it is, is just getting getting all that local microflora into our into our program. Um, and that, and we've been using fruits for oh, 10 years now, so we've just got, okay. we've got a, lot of, a lot of different things going on. So the freezing of a fruit like this won't eliminate that. They are able to come to bounce back afterward and still be present, you think? Some. Uh, yeah, some of them certainly go into a dormancy, are mm-hmm. able to uh, sporulate and sort of survive that process. Okay. Yeah, those things are made, like they're just difficult to get rid of, which is a good thing, apparently. But yeah, that's some hardy stuff that you can put through that kind of abuse and then have it repropagate itself. Some things like living. <laughs> Interesting. <Justin>. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i have to talk to them. Yeah. <laughs> talk to the local. Yeah. Uh, the local wild geese. <laughs> Have you done any beers that are that you've tried to do 100% spontaneous local fermentation? Yeah, so so I'd say maybe less than 10% of our cellar is 100% spontaneous. Really? Um, yeah, we've 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 done some projects over the years where we um, we'll go throughout Bloomington and set out. Uh, this, we did this maybe you started four four years ago, five years ago. Uh, set out collectors. Uh, so we, we found four different locations throughout Bloomington. Um, and we'd set out maybe a dozen or so collectors in each area. Um, guys would go out, stick them in between two uh, trees or underneath a bush or whatever um, with uh, like a cheesecloth on the top to so make sure nothing gets in there. Um, and then we'll go through a process as a team um, and evaluate maybe 40 of these different samples, uh, narrow that down to you know maybe eight or a dozen, try to scale them up a little bit into carboys. And then from there, just continue to whittle down some of the best stuff that we found throughout Bloomington. So that's that's one process we've used over the years to try to get some, some more spontaneous um, uh, microflora in, in our cellar. Um, and then just last year was our first kind of stab at uh, a cool ship process. So, okay. Um, so that that's uh, in its infancy stages right now, where it's all all completely spontaneous. Uh, but really, the the collectors has going, been going well. Now we've got you know several barrels that have been inoculated through that, and uh, they're really putting out some great stuff. So we've done some really small batches of that through our own pubs. 
um, and released them that way. And you had a cool ship built for for the brewery, I assume. Yeah, actually, we found we repurposed some other tanks okay. that uh, that were really kind of there's the dish bottom. Um, they're kind of long, narrow, and and, um, and they worked out pretty well for us. So. Got it. Stainless. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, is there temperature controlled involved with a cool ship process um, with you guys? We don't have it, the the tanks that we have don't have any sort of temperature control there now. Got it. Uh, so give me an example of, of how that process w- would take place. Uh, do you, you take wort uh, straight from the, the kettle and go into a cool ship? Yeah, that's what we did uh, last year. Um, we basically knocked out right into the tanks. We set up we set up two. We actually have two smaller tanks, uh, cool ships that we set one inside the original brew house, uh, kind of right kind of toward outside, and then we set a second one up in the wood shop. So we tried to kind of inoculate it two separate areas. Um, and then we kept them separate as well when we uh, transferred them to barrels. So okay. we're still, you know, still kind of evaluating those uh, or tasting them um, separately to kind of see you know, how they develop over time. And, and um, that's something that's, again, that kind of in the works. We're not kind of ready to release that yet. Right. So by name, you know, a cool ship actually was, was designed to help cool, cool wort. And, of course, then the Belgians discovered the amazing things that would happen uh, from local uh, yeast and bacteria. Uh, so similarly, you guys are just sort of letting the wort cool down overnight in these things. Uh, do you inoculate right away when, when the wort is hot? I guess you're, you're running it through a heat transfer, but... Um, in other words, are you waiting 24 hours before you put something in or uh, just letting all that stuff jump in as it cools down overnight? Yeah, we're, we're actually not adding anything. To Nothing it at, at all. all. Okay. Yeah, we're just letting the air kind of cool and the air inoculate it. And how long will it sit open like that? Is that a day? Uh, or? Overnight. Uh, just overnight. overnight. Yeah, okay. So we brew, brew first thing in the morning, kind of to the end of the day. Uh, we're knocking out, and then you know, we'll, we'll kind of keep an eye on it throughout the night. Yeah. Um, and waiting for a time of year when it's cooler out, um, at least the recommendation from, uh, like I know Allagash, I think, was was on one of the sour hours talking about it and uh, the Cantillon guys. If it's if it's not going to get below 40 degrees at night or maybe stay under 40 degrees, can't remember off the top of my head, but okay. they, they, won't, they won't do it. And so we, we tried to follow that advice and, and uh, do it. I think, was it? December, November, or what? It was, yeah, November. Yeah, there's a seasonality, right, to the coolant. Right, yeah. right, right. Is that because it stays too long at, a, at the wrong temperature if it's not cold I, enough? I think Wait. it more has to do with what's more active. I think there's more bacteria oh, hmm. active when it's warmer outside, okay. especially in our area. Right. You know, it's humid. There's a they lot of stuff. You want it to be at that bacterial right. happy stage. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I think that was part of the problem with Cantillon's production, if I remember correctly, was at the yeah, uh, That's right. We, we, we read a new October. story about mm-hmm. it that he, they're blaming uh, global warming. Oh. For their lack of production because it's it's not uh, cool and it's something with the temperature of the season isn't lasting as long or something like that. That seems they're so. blaming climate change. Ridiculous. Have, have you guys done any experiments in the difference between fall and spring? Because you essentially get we've only done one cool ship project. So oh, one. Okay. So one single night we've done this. So. Oh okay. <laughs> in its infancy. Oh okay. Lazy. Yeah, but, yeah, I think kind of moving forward, we're 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 going to start to trial doing cool ship in the fall and then the collection in the spring. So we're going to kind of do uh, two different processes. Okay. Forward, so. Nice. It amazes me how much can happen that quickly. <laughs> if I was more of a germaphobe, it would freak me the fuck out that in your 24-hour period, you're getting everything you need to provide fermentation. You're drinking bugs. And, uh, yeah. yeah. And, and not only that, that it's actually happening so quickly that if the temperature wasn't right, uh, things could go wrong. It's just... 
It's really an enormous amount of shit in the air is hey. what is what's happening. <laughs> You're breathing bugs right I now. I know. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. I have to not think about it. Uh, bugs are in you currently. Yeah. yeah. In your lungs. In bro. around. Can you feel them in your lungs? <laughs> yeah. No. Just moving around? around. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's why he smokes. Just to kill <laughs> yeah, the bugs in his lungs. Or get them high and happy. Either, whatever. <laughs> Too many bugs? Smoke leave. some cigarettes. They yeah. leave me alone. <laughs> Yeah, I really am uh, still get stuck in the tar. After all this time, fascinated by that happening, the ability for it just to well, happen well, naturally. Spontaneous fermentation. There wouldn't have been beer, you know. If, so if like without it, yeah. figured out how to do it. Right. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, yeah. be an even less happy species. Uh, so, oh, spontaneous. So the BC, they were drinking wine with spontaneous fermentation. Yeah, and not washing their hands. And they were chewing their grain <laughs> oh, and their God, beer. Don't even get into that with me. <laughs> Please don't tell me you guys do that shit with the... With the uh, chicha? The chicha yeah. 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 No, no thanks. See, oh, and it's, you're even more likely to, with all the corn available to you. Right. You guys That's why like God the mills, dude. There's uh, no... Come on. I would have stopped this interview. <laughs> get out. Uh, side note, though, have you guys done? Uh, you must have done a beer with local corn, right? As a, as an adjunct, I mean, how could you not do that? Well, so we have a, a pre-prohibition pilsner. It's okay. an it's an old brand that uh, this place called Terre Haute Brewing Company used to brew. Okay, uh, they first brewed it around 1904, and so pre-prohibition pilsner. It was. Uh, the, there were Germans that owned the brewery at the time. They were trying to recreate a German Pilsner, and all they had was six row to work with, which has a lot of protein in it. So they cut it with corn, and then use up to 30, or 40% corn uh, locally. And so we, we tried to recreate that product. We actually bought that brand. It's called Champagne Velvet. Mm-hmm. Uh, we bought that brand, and we, that's, our, that's our Pilsner. It's a pre-prohibition Pilsner. And it's got about 30% corn, but we get it from Brees. So it's, okay. it's as local as we can get from a, a larger monster that's making flaked corn on, on a large scale that we could use. So got it. From Wisconsin. I'm not sure if the corn itself is from Wisconsin, but uh, Brees is our supplier for that. So that kind of says to me that the corn in Indiana is so allocated for other things. You, mm-hmm. you, uh, breweries would be such a blip on the radar, they just can't be bothered. Yeah, most of the corn in Indiana is actually either popcorn or sweet corn. So. Interesting. Okay. Got it. All right. We got another beer in our glass here. I've already tasted it. Um, I'm a fan. Well, you're you're advanced. You're, you're <laughs> yeah. the guy who like read ahead in class. <laughs> I'm just going to say now, even before we get through all the beers, I know yeah. you guys are, are uh, expanding a bit uh, your sour beer program and where it's available here in California. That's happening. I'm going to tell people that these are as world class a sour beer as you will find on the shelf. So definitely go to what is it Upland Beer? I think I had before UplandBeer.com. Yeah. Find out where these are available and and purchase them. I think you can probably. Age them. You can share them right away. Um, th- these are really uh, wonderful beers, guys. You're killing Thank it. You. You're killing it. So they're getting d- distribution here through Wine Warehouse. So we'll be able, in our area, we'll be able to get it. Got it. Yes. We've got two on tap right here at the yeah. Hop Grenade, by the way. So those will probably be here for a couple days. Uh, you can come on, check us out here. <laughs> um, all right. So tell us about this beer. Uh, so we guess what do we have here? Guava. Guava. Yes. So uh, so single fruit, all guava. Um, the base beer for this was a blend of 20% uh, older beer, and north of 12, 12 months, probably about 15-month-old beer, and then 80% younger fooder beer. Okay. So um, that, that beer is probably four to five months old uh, at the time we made that blend. Um, 
again, kind of similar process we talked about with raspberry. Um, aged uh, didn't age as long, not not the three full months, uh, a little bit over a month and a half, almost two months. Um, on the fruit, just because it uh, you, it was going to impart so much more if you had gone the full amount of time, or no? Actually, in this particular one, uh, so we, we nine, a little over ninety percent of what we do is all whole fruits. This is one of our kind of experiments with some of the pureed fruits. So this is Got from uh, Oregon fruit, uh, the pink guava, and uh, you know, for, you know, it's really we, we had done another beer. Uh, I'm not going to remember what it was. Uh, where we did, we actually did a kettle sour. We used a little bit of passion fruit um, and these really tropical flavors. Uh, yeah, to a tarts. It was a, it was a passion fruit mango. Um, we really loved that character. And then the guava, um, this is kind of an experiment, small ba- really, really small batch uh, experiment for us. Uh, we've really not done a whole lot with purees, honestly. Up to this point, we've done maybe one or two beers with purees. Um, and so, um, so yeah, we aged on there for up to two months. Um, and, you know, the, the rate on this one is a l- Probably a little bit less than what we'd use in the the whole fruits. Okay. Um, you know, probably more around two pounds per gallon or so. Um, but uh, but yeah, it really came out uh, really nice and balanced. Uh, there's a nice level of acidity, a really tropical guava character um, right out front. And um, yeah, we love to have this one turn out. It's very good. It's, it's delicious. It's it's it is a very unique flavor a very unique yeah. blend that works well souring and i was going to yes. say at, at the risk of downplaying your your skill level which is obvious i feel like sour brewers should be messing with some guava it's kind mm-hmm. of the perfect fruit and in, in my opinion for for souring it just has such a it's so complimentary well and, and organ organ fruit is coming out with some great products oh, no, like they, well, they, yeah and, and and they're aseptic as well so yeah. you can use them on the clean side yeah. um, okay just the way that they treat their fruit is uh really nice we've never gotten anything uh that we didn't like from organ fruit it's great because you when you eat when you have in my opinion we have a good guava it's not just the overripe kind of juicy or bruised like you yeah. know one-dimensional overly sweet guava there's some lightness to it there's some tannin to it there's some kind of i don't know that um a little bit of brightness, I guess. And that's what this has. It has, like, the centerpiece, I guess, the meat, like, closer to the to the seed, I guess. Okay. I don't know. It kind of has, like, more fibrous to me. And doesn't. it's not as overly sweet. And, and that's what this has. I don't know. I'm, I'm imagining, like, cutting a guava because I'm super into tropical fruits. I don't know if you knew this about me, but right. I'm, I'm an expert at it. And, Goes to Hawaii once. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, but he spent hours in tiki rooms. <laughs> That's true, yeah. Thank you, thank you, Warren. Yeah. Appreciate You're that. Welcome. All right. Uh, anyway, it, it, it is very, uh, it's not just a one-dimensional, here's guava extract. It's incredibly fresh fruit tasting in that sense, uh, which is interesting to find out, not that, you know, um, all of your beers have that fresh taste, but to find out that the one that wasn't the fresh fruit, you know, that you use, uh, um, yeah, I think you guys must be right about Oregon Oregon fruits. Is that was called yep. Oregon, yep. yeah. That they're just killing it with that. Um, it is. I'm not actually. Uh, I don't really drink liquor. I'm not a big cocktail fan. But this is. I can see mixologists absolutely loving your beer to to use in cocktails too because it just it would add all of the fruit flavor they need. And they could just mess with the rest of it. Well, certain fruits are like cheating, just like certain hops, you know, citra hops and mosaic hops. You know, you make a good beer, you don't mess it up. Yeah. It's going to taste good. You put certain fruits in a beer, passion fruit, guava, they're going to be. That's kind of why I was recommending, like, if you want to start out with sour beer, start out with some guava. (laughs) Forget the hard stuff. Everyone's like, I'm going to make a sour beer with coffee my first run. (laughs) Uh, Or even I'd I'd like to see people start with this instead of go to cherry. Yeah. Or whatever, you know, like, just let's let's do something... (laughs) Yeah. You it's know, also more unique. Creative. 
too. Right? Ag- agreed. You yeah, know. agreed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I really like this beer. This must be a big seller for you guys, I would imagine. People Not yet. Like we've it. only done it on a very small scale. Is that right? We'll be making more of this. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, ramp that shit up. This is good. This is a nice beer. All right, and then it looks like we got one more in our glass to uh, dabble in. What's this? What is going on right now? So this is a beer called Darken. This is, so drunk. This is kind of our take on an old Bruin. It's a higher gravity. It's about 9%. Uh, we use so many spices. Uh, let's see. Coriander, star anise, black pepper, uh, grains of paradise, and ginger. Okay, but that's not, a, that's not typical oud Bruin, is it? Uh, oh, recipe? Not. Yeah, yeah, okay. Spice? Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. You just mentioned a lot of things, and I would not call this a, a spicy beer. You could have left all that out, and I'd say, oh, yeah, this is a, a, a great Oud Brun. Yeah, so uh, where we add the spices, it's a, it's just you know spice blend that will add into the boil. Um, so it's very, very early in the process. If you tasted this beer in the barrels at about three or four months, uh, you'd probably say something different. It's, it's still very, very forward with the spices. Um, this beer will age, um, I think. I think this was closer to like 16, 17 months in the barrels. Okay. Um, so that, that spice character really kind of melds and mellows out over time. And it's just a really nice complimentary character. Uh, for me, you know, some of that licorice kind of character comes through a little mm-hmm. bit more, more prominent. Yep. Still a lot, a lot of nice chocolate from the base malt and uh, and, uh, and the sourness. So basically, the level of acidity is really pretty balanced as well. So, uh, so yeah, this one, this one we've made uh, for a number of years um, and really, really... Um, minor tweaks to this as we've uh, made it, um, and it's, it's actually had uh, some diff- a different name. We we, uh, we did change the name uh, last couple of years. We, we used to call it Dantalian. Um, so that that's the same kind of base recipe that that this beer started out as. Dantalian. Dantalian. What is that? Some sort of a, a demon, right? Wasn't it? This <laughs> okay. is one of our, our a demon. Head it's a demon. It's a demon. Yeah. Yeah, often it was uh, pronounced dandelion. Oh, I could see uh, that. Yeah. It was, uh, <laughs> Got it. We, we didn't like that. Use no. the cooler version of it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, another thing I like about this beer is the guava comes through a lot. I'm just kidding. I'm <laughs> still, still on the guava. Yeah, you still have that one. Yeah. I still taste that guava. <laughs> now, you mentioned a really balanced acidity. Um, I noticed a little more acidity than in the others, which would be typical for a nude brune or, or Flanders red. And this is what I was getting at when I was asking earlier if your targets for the titratable acidity might be higher in certain beers. And I just I wonder if this style or this particular beer you, you did that. Certainly, this is this is one we have to wait on. You know, it, okay. it, the the acidity sort of builds very slowly, and um, you know it's ready when it's ready. So got it. Um, yeah, we we have a target, and when we've got enough barrels that when we blend everything together, we can get there. Then you know, then it's pretty much ready to go. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Are you guys looking for both? A, a pH and titratable acidity, or is, do you value one more than the other? Um, really, the the titratable acidity is is much more important. pH doesn't really give you a good idea of uh, of what the per- yeah of, of how it's going to be perceived because your different acids sort of react differently <laughs> um, under a pH meter. Okay, I almost get like a stick with me here. <clears throat> We're used to that. <laughs> Shit, uh, mint chocolate chip ice cream. Oh, yeah. But like the green, like the, when the ice cream is green, not when the ice cream is white, because the ice cream, the green mint chocolate chip is far superior than the white mint chocolate <laughs> the chip. Fake mint chocolate <laughs> chip. Yeah, yeah, right. They have to dye it so that way you see the mint. It, look, if it, it's called fucking, it's mint green colored. Of course, it's going to taste more <laughs> minty than the white right. stuff, right? Right. I don't know. Just a just a little bit. 
I don't know. I can in a very you... very positive way, mind you. No, I see. You know. Yeah, you don't want to say it's minty. Um, no, because it's not. Because I... I don't get mint, but it's like after you eat the ice cream and it's just the I don't the know the kind of refreshing yeah. uh, effervescence that's left over. I can give you a little bit of mint. Uh, the, yeah, chocolate. That's I think the you acidity should. with the chocolate. <laughs> yeah, well, I definitely yeah. think the, the the roasted malts and chocolate malts definitely come through, and you get a chocolate flavor. Yeah, are you getting that? I, I'm wondering where that's at. Oh no! I, I, I would chocolate. Have, you don't get chocolate. You don't get chocolate. You get a little bit, but I mean, I'm expecting more of the wood brew and like the little more of a like a malty. Yeah, but it's spice, so you're not going to get that. Yeah, the spices I think cover. It's really, up. Spices yeah, are really light, though, aren't they? I'm, the spices well, I way in the so. background. They're there. Yeah. They're there I enough, definitely I think, to get the chocolate too. Yeah. Yeah. I get the like earthy Mexican chocolate. So what is yes. the? Uh, you talked Drink about the basic first. Belgian sour. That's really good base. What's the base for this beer? What's the grain? Yeah, so, uh, you know, uh, Eli Trinkle, our sour brewer, sent me this malt bill, and i gotta, I got to pull it up. I know there Eli is Eli Trinkle is not a real person. That well, is a character No, I can't. <laughs> a... No, I remember the first time I was... <laughs> Tell him to ask for Eli Trinkle. <laughs> and then he just gets beat yeah, up in the back. I remember I, uh, I was talking to my girlfriend on the phone. She's like, what are you doing? I'm like, hanging out with the Trinkles. It was Eli and his wife. And she's like, are <laughs> they <laughs> elves? Yes, exactly. They're characters in an Indiana Christmas story. Story. <laughs> but there is that, uh, on a mushroom Ebenezer Scrooge, played by Eli, Eli Trinkle. Trinkle. <laughs> I hope he's listening right now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Eli, Eli Trinkle, Trinkle go kart champion of the Midwest, <laughs> corn shucker, and go kart mechanic. Yeah, this yeah. is harder to spell than Shimpy. <laughs> Lumberjack extraordinaire, Eli Trinkle, appearing I'm, live. I'm, I'm sorry, Eli. <laughs> he can play the washboard <laughs> and the jug. <laughs> Same time. <laughs> yeah. He farts in the jug. Yeah. Eli Trinkle. Spoon player champion of the greater Midwest area, Eli Trinkle. 1968 through 1972. 1970, he was admitted. He was playing on forks back then. Eli, if you haven't already started playing a drinking game with this, whenever you name it, that's right. Tasty, to answer your question, we got some pale and pills for a base. We got some... Some Munich from some Tinlebon Munich from Brees, some Castle Aromatic, mm. some Castle Chocolate, uh, some man. Weirman Dark Munich, some Weirman Pale Wheat, and a little bit of rye. All sent in by uh, Guinness Book of World Records <laughs> unicycle champion <laughs> Eli Trickle. <laughs> An amateur <laughs> auctioneer. <laughs> Eli <Yeah>. Trickle. <laughs> Rodeo clown. <laughs> and. Head of the National American Association of Rodeo Clowns. Right. Captain. We like you, Eli. Eli Trinkle. You're already. Esquire. <laughs> well, uh, all your beers have great head retention. You look around the room, and every one of these beers has good foam uh, still on the edge. Right yeah. Every one of them is making me fart. Like, I'm oh, holding boy. in my farts Thank like you crazy. For, for that. I'm glad what I changed my chair well, from there to over here tonight. Which is interesting because of the pasteurization. You'd think that it'd maybe be less than a sour beer with tons of yeast in your glass. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Helping. Well, the yeast is well, in there. The CBC one, that guy's. That's there. still yeah. in there. That's probably the we almost the extra party. party. Like the CBC one, so. and it's JP anyway. So I'm pretty gassy, but look, I would rather have a bunch of gas than like acid reflux. I'm drinking sour beer, which we're not I mean? getting I'd at all. Your acid reflux, yeah. <laughs> right? The rest I'm of holding it in. Yeah. It's fine. It's my colon that's getting all blown out of shape. <laughs> yeah, nobody around Again. even cares. Yeah. <laughs> that's actually all. a really good point. I'm coming off of a hard weekend on my stomach, yeah. and even without that, some uh, you know sour beers could very quickly give you. 
acid reflux. Yeah, and you these can go are too not, far with them. I guess maybe just a testament to the way you guys control that acidity. Yeah, well, we, we host a sour beer festival every year, and we've been trying to get it sponsored by Tums, yes. but they won't have anything to do with, uh, really? with alcohol. So, yeah. Oh, oh that's interesting. We're trying to have little kiosks. You know, what a Rolex. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, they'll be next. They'll yeah. be next. That's spell. interesting. They, don't, they maybe don't want to be seen as like a cure-all. Like, you can drink all you want as long as you have Tums. It's probably some legal yeah, problem. I prefer uh, to believe that. Yeah. Hey, hey, we're here to help. And just leave it at you know what? I guarantee <laughs> fucking tell you that the CVS brand of antacid tablets, right. <laughs> CVS will jump all over that. Yeah, but there's no marketing value in that. Like no, CVS but, yeah. acid tablets brings you acid uh, tablets. Eli Trinkle's <laughs> Merry Christmas, Indiana. Antacid. <laughs> or you might get another retail outlet out of it. Yeah. Jay's still yeah. a Burning Man. Acid tablets. Uh, yeah. Let's go. Love acid tablets. <laughs> That's the name of your kid? Yes. Yeah. Gender nonspecific. Right. Hey, acid tablets. Come here. I would kind of call these beers like European acidic beers or okay. sour beers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Americans kind of crank it up to 11, and especially here in California, some sour beers get enamel peeling. They are. And, and, th- and these are a lot more mellow. I think some... American sour producers are even ramping that acidity up, or it seems like it's mm. it's it's changing over the years. Like maybe that's just the climate of the maybe that's the the sour beer equivalent of the cloudy IPA. Or, or, We're kind of going the opposite way. Like we, we, yeah. we used to be a little more aggressive, and part of that was a product of everything being in barrels and some of it being a little older, and it would develop a little more acidic character. Mm-hmm. We're, We're actually kind of known for having very aggressive sour beers, but that's not. Our preference in general in 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 the brewery, mm-hmm. I feel like that if you get too much tartness, it actually takes away from the flavor. Absolutely, so sure. we yeah. started to dial it dial it back. And, I appreciate and that. Our yeah. are milder. And, yeah. and I'm not sure that I agree in that trend oh. that, that JP says. Uh, you know, I, I certainly think that many American sour beers are more acidic, like you're talking about. Mm-hmm. But I think uh, that that is more based on experience or think, lack thereof rather think, than attempting to make them more sour you don't you don't think or, that they have acidic rather you don't you don't think that they've kind of shifted in general i don't think i can so. think of two I, my opinion my is that it's just that more people are making them mm-hmm. and so we're getting more acidic sour beers but not necessarily because that's how they were intended it's the mm. as people get into it they they just haven't figured or their palate actually likes that more, right. which I think changes over time. Yeah, and I'm talking about like sour producers that have themselves shifted over years, I not see. just like the new ones are coming out. Then it's more and more aggressive. Oh, I, I also see. think they're well, trying to push the the new genre with the American sours. Yeah, they're kind of trying to kind of branch away from the European ones and, European. and okay. pushing to that the city level, just trying to be different. Yeah. Well, that's a. They shouldn't do they're that. To, well, they're trying to, you know, <laughs> you know. trying to make that. <laughs> Can we send them to Upland as the American yeah, sour right. example instead, and hope that people go down that path? It's yeah, it's the same as the IBU <laughs> race. Success at that. Just yeah. If right. more, if bitter's good, then more bitter's better. Yeah. If sour's good, then more. That's make it more it sour. It used to be measure your dick with hops, and yeah. now it's measure your dick with acidity. We're trying oh, yeah. to come away from that. My dick's yeah. six hops long. Yeah. You've done that already. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Small, Duh. six hot pellets, maybe. Chinook pellets. They're long. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, Medusa. I have eight <laughs> Yeah, you look at his dick, you turn to stone. Like, oh, God! 
Hey, at least something's hard. That's I, gross. I'm looking at the label for the Tasty IPA, and he's clearly... I got three hops clearly. for these. Oh, at least. <laughs> yeah. You can actually count them. I mean, that yeah. one's... You've... I had man an extra hop just for deniability. <laughs> yeah, just can you go one more, please? Uh, it's not mine. No, yeah. Can we talk hops just real quick? Because we haven't asked you that. Are, are you going traditional, making sure you use aged hops in, all, in, in the base beer? Yeah, for, for basis, um, that, that is all aged hops. Uh, really, really uh, uh, low IB, like less than our measured IBUs are like E9 uh, IBUs for that particular beer. What variety are they? Or does that even matter? Um, we're just looking for really low alpha. So okay. it, it's not really that um, uh, important for us, just making sure it's low alpha. We're using like uh, German spalt right now. So okay. It's really low. Do you, uh, I know you're able to purchase age tops. Do you guys do it that way or do you age them yourselves? No, we we have uh, we have aged, we staged ourselves. We're okay, we're not buying them aged. And what do you do for that? Is you literally just put the the sacks up in the attic for a little while and forget about it? No, yeah, we're, we've just, we've got some that we have in inventory. We have some that are kind of chilling in our boiler room, kind of um, <laughs> oxidizing there a little bit. So, got it. Uh, we don't age them; we chill them. Yeah. <laughs> do you even care about them? Like, do you check them first and go, "Oh shit, we waited too long on these," or you really can't go wrong there? No, no, I mean at this point, um, you know, we're using, like I said, really low alpha. Yeah. Um, we're 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 not uh, seeing really cheesy, rancid kind of things like that. We're we're we're, we're really you are trying to control it. Are they uh, pellets or whole hops? Yeah, we're using pellets. Okay, we're using pellets. Got if it. You use so few, even if it is a little like. Oh, yeah, and right. they're, they're staying in the bags as well for the most part. Oh, so they're, they're in the they're, bags. They're oh, not, they're, we're not opening up and oxidizing oh, them intentionally. Oh, just letting them age down for a long yeah. time. Yeah. So, so for, for for our cool oh. ship that we've done, we back we actually are kind of storing those um, um, and aging those. But for our, our standard production, um, it's we're, it's a oh, gosh, we're adding maybe six or seven pounds of hops. Yeah, it's, it's, oh wow. Yeah. It's, do you, is there is there even a measurable IBU at that point? Yeah, we do yeah. get. I mean, like I said, we, we we have a spectrophotometer we're measuring. It's it's around seven, uh, eight or nine IBU. Okay, got it. Well, you guys have done good work here. These are really oh, excellent beers. Thank you. And the lager, too, at Vienna. So what a great start. And then moving into all these. I did not have – I wouldn't say this. I don't have to give, uh, you know, overshare. Uh, I would just keep this information out. I did not have a, a bad beer tonight. I did not have a less than stellar beer tonight. You guys really killed it. I agree. Thanks so much. I agree with that. Even that spiced fucking beer. Yeah. It's really good. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, if you would have described that beforehand, I would be like, right. I am not going to be into this. Yeah. The, but I was into ice it. cream. Three months in the barrel. I think that's what it is, yeah. They just throw a cone in there. With green it. ice cream. <laughs> it has to be the green. Yes. Nobody yes. fucking gets to that except you now. Mm-hmm. I can't even see color. No, but you can feel it. Yeah. So any places you want to mention, any any new markets uh, you've gone into? I know California with some good beers now. Uh, any place else? Uh, yeah, so we, we started shipping out to a little bit of beer up about to Boston, Philly, New York. Okay. A uh, little bit in North Carolina, uh, Tennessee. Maine. Maine, okay. And Colorado next. Yeah, Colorado uh, next? This, this, this week, I think we're uh, still going to have some beer in Colorado. Well, I guess we'll have some Upland at uh, Hot Grenade Fort Collins here soon then. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that That's sounds closer. great. Yeah. Yeah, closer for you guys. You going out to the Great American Beer Festival? Uh, we will have a uh, crew out there for that. For I sure. assume you entered yeah. sour beer into that category? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, I wish you luck there. Thank you very much. I wanted to ask you about something on your website real quick. Um <laughs> 
It might be inappropriate. Oh, this reminds me. Um, is there a dick pic there or something? No. <laughs> yeah. Uh, is there a beer name a that won't be mentioned? No, there's not a problem. Something that we've talked about very recently on the show uh, when we've discussed um, mergers and buyouts and shit. Yes. Was that the Brewers Association was working on some sort of a stamp or label or logo to show like a real craft brewery. And I haven't heard anything about that since that. I don't remember who our last interview was who was talking about that. But I see something like that on the bottom of your website that looks like it's from the Brewers Association. That says Brewers Association uh, Independent like certified craft. That's a new thing that they did go through with to, to give you guys a stamp like that? Yeah, yeah, it's really great. Um, there's a process you have to go online, kind okay. of submit the forms for it, and now uh, we can, we're able to use that in um, a lot of our marketing materials and things like that. So, yeah, on our website, uh, some of our labels that we're going to continue to develop, we'll, uh, we'll make sure that that's on there. I like it. It's the first follow-up I'm hearing since one of our guests mentioned that it was being worked on, so it's yeah. really cool to see. Do you remember, like, the, the parameters? Like, do you... Is there allowed to be, you know, the certain percentage of ownership? And I believe it's up to 25%. So just like the we're, rest of their guidelines. We're completely independently owned. We have a, a small group of investors. But it's something that's very important internally for the, the brewery employees that we do stay okay. independent. Yeah. So is now, do you know if every member of the Brewers Association falls under this stamp guidelines? Or is it more strict than even being a, a member, I wonder? I could do. I could find this out myself. I just thought you guys might know. Yeah, I, I I really shouldn't speak, but I don't know all the details there, honestly. But uh, I know that there is a process that you have to go to through yeah. to prove um, kind of your independence. Right. So, yeah, so, so that, to me, means it's probably even more strict than just being a member of, of the Brewers Association, which is very cool. That was the delineation that we were talking about on the show, that it wanted to be like a, just that other level of actually being independent. So it's cool to see it on there. Uh, and it looks it's, it's pretty recent, right? You got in the last year or so that that. Yeah, well, they just put out that yeah. they did. that logo yeah. okay. just in the past five months. three months. Yeah, yeah five months. Got it. Okay. All right. Well, congratulations. Not selling out, except for your bank accounts. <laughs> I'm sorry for your bank accounts for not selling out, but um, for your street cred, you're doing well. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thank you for sharing the beer. I appreciate it very much. Um, I think we'll keep drinking it uh, tonight. And uh, we got some on tap here at the Hop Grenade. If you want to come try it, I'll keep drinking that, too. And really, good work, guys. Um, I would say that so much of this is based on the quality control and blending that the two of you are virtually irrelevant. And that uh, uh, Adam Adam back there uh, is really the superstar in this room. I have to say, Eli does a great job brewing. So uh, thank you, Eli. Eli. Shout out. Great brewer. Uh, And elf. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. He can make swizzle sticks and beer like you've never (laughs) seen. He can can shear a goat and make some beer. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We will see him at Christmas time. That's right. With his herd of pygmy goats. <laughs> Fainting goats. I just, I love that you're running with that. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it warms my heart yeah, to tell think of what Eli, what's See, happening to champion. Eli right now. Yeah. 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 Running, Eli running with this is better than coming up with content. So right. it's, yeah. Yeah. And we have so few uh, uh, running jokes or good content that this could go on for weeks. Right. Right. So you might want to tune in next Please week and, and see what adventure we have you on next. Yeah. I think Can the you make whole a little, entire show next week 
like will just be Eli Trinkle. Yeah. Can you make a little cartoon like you got a little? I think we need to. Next week, follow Eli Trinkle as he burrows through the Himalayans. Eli Trinkle's fleas, circus, and car wash. The Himalayan people or the mountains? Burrowing through. Nice. Can we send the bee you guys have been jet to get it? So yeah. far, you, far you guys have been dead on. It, this is just are one hundred percent true. Like, you, oh. yeah, you're nailing it. <laughs> yeah, a le- leather maker and mouse trainer, Eli Trinkle. <laughs> tractor pulling record holder, Eli Trinkle. Yeah. Scrotal tractor pulling. Wow. <laughs> okay, that ruined it. Yeah. Yeah. His now, resume just became stellar. Eli's like, hey, yeah. wait a second. He's like, I'm done with this. I haven't done that in years. My colon's going to pop. I got to go fart, man. Let's go. (laughs) All right. uh, Can we take a little break? Or a long break? Uh, Not before. We'll take a a real tiny one. Actually, no, we'll go straight to break right now. Uh, When we come back, we've got... uh, What's his name from What's-Its-Face? Marshall. Eli Trinkle from (laughs) Brulosophy. Marshall uh, from Brulosophy. We're going to do a triangle test uh, and have some beer. In fact, if you guys want to stick around for that, uh, we welcome you to do so. It's always a good time. It makes Justin think too much but bless you oh my god are you okay sweetheart yeah i'm not it's starting all right it's starting i've only got a few hours left all right we're down to four the countdown begins god bless you want to eat like trinkles to get your casket hang in there it's the session we'll be right back with brewlosophy Listening to the Brewcasters. Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. Since 1979, Williams Brewing has offered the finest equipment and freshest ingredients and the best customer service in the business. Check out their brand new patent-pending mash and boil 110-volt electric mashing and boiling unit. This compact all-stainless unit lets you mash, sparge, and boil just about anywhere that has a 110-volt plug. Double-wall construction adds to efficiency and safety, and a precise thermostat keeps temperatures where you want them. Unlike insulated buckets and converted coolers, multiple temperature rest mashing is easy to do all for under 300 bucks they also feature the mark ii work pump a magnetic drive high temperature pump that does the work of pumps that cost twice as much as well as exclusive brewers edge regulators and quality keg king kegs and disconnects check them out today at williamsbrewing.com to bruise their vast selection with over 20 years of experience making world-class craft beer and more than 100 gold medals in international competitions moylan's brewing company is is not just a pretty face in craft beer. Just ask Brendan Moylan. What do we got here? The beer of the hour. Moylan's, gotta love that big M. It's like a sign of awesomeness. It's got an extra kick to it. Let's pour this bad boy. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, Moylan's. The end of the night when the kids are finally in bed, the wife's in bed, (laughs) nobody's bothering your ass anymore. That's Moylan's time. Moylan's is for you. It's to help you out. It helps me out. What? Well, because it's freaking awesome. Northern California brewed. It's brewed with love. With love? Oh, yeah. Tremendous. And it's always best where? Moylan's. you got to try it on tap at Moylan's. 
in Novato. They're freaking awesome. Not only because I own the brewery, because I love the beer. Cheers! Boom! Kilt Lifter Scotch Ale takes big beers to a whole new level with rich malt balanced perfectly with delicate hops and now comes in four-pack tall boy cans so you can take the party on the go. Or come to the brewery, take a tour, and try any of Moylan's fresh creations right from the source. Check them out at Moylan's.com. Army, have you heard the latest at HopTech? Since HopTech has doubled in size after a huge expansion, Jade and Roberto can stock even more of the best quality homebrewing supplies and equipment. Over 60 kick-ass varieties of hops and malts, monster truckloads of quality brewer's yeast, including white labs, Y yeast, and multiple dry yeasts. They even have all grain systems from Grainfathers and Ruby Street Brew Systems, thanks to Jade, the brand new all-grain brewer. And don't forget about their 10% discount to all BN Army members. Jade and Roberto are waiting for you. And all of your brewing questions over at HopTech.com. HopTech, totally not sucking since 1983. Hey guys, what'll it be? I'm not sure. What do you recommend? A lot of people seem to like the Hefeweizen. Is that a German Hefeweizen or more of an American-style wheat beer? I'm not sure, but I can give you a taste. Okay, great. Great. The Cicerone Certification Program certifies and educates beer professionals in order to elevate the beer experience for consumers. Unfortunately, not every bar is staffed with certified beer servers who can guide their customers through a beer list. Here you go, guys. Let me know what you think of the Hefeweizen. Yeah, that's definitely more of an American meat. But I can hardly tell because this beer just smells like sour butter. I wonder how long it's been since they cleaned the draft line. Yeah, and look at the bubbles on the side of the glass. It's filthy. Somebody should tell these guys about the Cicerone program. For sure. How about we head somewhere else for another beer? Your server should give beer the same respect you do. Request quality. The Cicerone certification program offers four levels of beer certification, in-person classes, and course books for beer professionals. Check them out at Cicerone.org. The Cicerone Certification Program. We know beer. Hey, my brewing brothers and sisters. This is Jamel Zanisha, and I want to tell you about Heretic Evil Twin. You might be familiar with my homebrew recipe, which uses massive late hopping to create a balance between the malty sweet and the hoppy bitter, along with an outrageous malt and hop character. I wanted a beer with the same bold hop and malt character, so we played around with the homebrew recipe until we were able to make a great commercial version, too. We've created a beer rich in malt character, full of caramel, toast, biscuit, and an ever-so-subtle roast note. On top of that, we piled in an insane amount of citra and Columbus hops at the end of the boil, as well as in dry hopping. This damn-the-cost approach to hopping gives Heretic's Evil Twin a great blast of citrus and tropical fruit that can't be matched by any other hop. The result is a bold, malty, hoppy, but easy-drinking beer. This is our top seller, our flagship beer, and I couldn't be prouder of it. Cheers. To find Heretic Beers near you, click on Find Some at hereticbrewing.com. Okay. 
Okay, welcome back to the show. Uh, thanks to the guys from Upland Brewing Company for coming in and hanging out. Some of them have stayed to do our Brewlosophy segment with us. We appreciate that. I uh, wanted to let you know about a new book that's out. Um, one of Tasty's uh, favorite styles, uh, Session Beers, is now uh, been published by Brewers Publications. Low-alcohol Session Beers have taken the craft beer movement by storm. More than half of the fastest-growing brands are beers with less than 5% ABV. If you're interested in honing your session beer brewing skills, there's a brand new book from Brewers Publications that'll be a great addition to your brewing library. Uh, Session Beers, Brewing for Flavor and Balance. It's written by World Beer Cup and Great American Beer Festival award-winning brewer Jennifer Talley. Session Beers explores the history behind some of the world's greatest session beers, past and present. Learn how stouts, sour ales, experimental IPAs, and more of your favorite styles can be brewed to be less than 5% without sacrificing taste or balance. Session Beers includes popular recipes for pro brewers and home brewers, along with personal stories from some of the best-known brewmasters in America. Learn more and order a copy of Session Beers at brewerspublications.com. Go check it out. All right. We should have uh, Marshall on the line with us so that we can do our triangle test. Marshall, you there? I am here. Yes, thanks for having me back on, guys. Welcome back to the show. I'm always disappointed that you don't come and hang out with us, but I understand that you're as lazy as JP. Well, you know, and J- JP, I hear, is only going to get lazier uh, it, it, with this child that's coming, because uh, that, that's why I don't come in. I've got three kids, and I've got school, and i got to pick them up and all that kind of stuff. It makes sense. I know you're far away. I just like to give you shit about it, because I, I like you, Marshall. I like hanging out with you. Yeah. <laughs> He's only in Fresno, right? Uh, yeah. Fresh, yes. Uh, yeah, it's fresh. It's, which, that's a trek on a Monday night, uh, I guess, when you go. Yeah, what would we do with him here? Just Any be on the way. excuse to get out of Fresno. Well, you can see that douchey mustache he has now. Right. Hey, oh, listen. No. You, oh, wait. JP, you haven't seen me in a while, but mustache is gone. Oh. Okay. There we go. Yeah, it's moved down to my neck. Are you still wearing a tank top? A little awkward, but thank God. Well, <laughs> and I got to hang out with Marshall at the Firestone Fest this year. I think that's where it was, right, Marshall? No, no, no. Homebrew oh. Con was the last time we saw each other. Oh, it was Homebrew Con. That, yeah, you're right. And oh. um, he's far less douchey than he sounds. Uh, <laughs> I'll give on you the that. Ra- on the radio. Yeah, thank you very much. I'll give you yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, I wow, think that's a stretch. It's kind of a compliment, wow. I guess. Far. I mean, backhanded. <laughs> which Marshall did you meet? Uh, the one who's Bipolar doing Marshall. his own podcast, not on the Brewing Network. That's the Marshall. Uh, I met. Oh, there's other podcasts. Yeah, he has a podcast. Really, wow. he does. And well. did, did not, you know, consult me. Asked no. to be on the network, participate in our enormous revenue sharing opportunities. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, we're actually, um, name change coming up. It's going to be the BR Umlaut U uh, apostrophe N network. Okay. And, oh. <laughs> wow. Yeah, some, somebody just gave me the idea. I thought it was a good one. It is yeah. good. You'll be hearing from John at the yeah. Beer Law Center. <laughs> I bet I will. Yeah. Oh, before the night is out. Yeah. Check out the Brewlosophy podcast over at brewlosophy.com and all the other experiments um, that are, are done so that you can, uh, you know, learn to brew better beer yeah. uh, through... Through another podcast. Bullshit. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We don't do it anymore. All right, Marshall. What are we doing today? Well, uh, so so you guys have a beer that I made um, almost two months ago now. Uh, It's an experiment that I'm just started collecting data on, which might give you a hint as to what the variable is. Uh, I'm I'm looking at the data and I see that you guys have already um, you guys are working on it now. The data's coming in. Yeah. 
Yeah. Did every well? Not okay. everybody has a, a voting vessel in front of them. Did y'all do it on your phones? Yeah. yeah. You did it, uh, Doc did it too. Oh yeah. That's weird. Yeah. I see. Doc, I don't see Eli Treacle. Oh. Uh, yeah. oh. <laughs> well, um, Eli Trinkle is busy. He's busy carving garden gnomes while unicycling through Bloomington. <laughs> right. Uh-huh. right. Um, okay. He could not uh, triple task. He's at right. home, fast asleep, waiting for the bomb that's going to drop him on him tomorrow when he goes oh, in. Oh. Good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bet, the yeah. last real peaceful day of his life. Right. <laughs> Everybody that walks into your brewery is going to be asking for him. Right? Yeah. Well, yeah, he's yeah. also the last real American. Uh, that's true. E- right, Eli yeah. Trinkle. That's true. Uh, that's at least his new book that's coming out. <laughs> the uh, last real American. He hand yeah. he hand wrote every single page. <laughs> he's getting the key to the city to Bloomington tomorrow. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, he yeah. keyed the lock for the city. He knows what it is. Already. Oh, right. He made yeah. it himself. Yeah. All right. So you should have. Other than that, I guess you probably don't have our guests' votes, or were you guys given the link as well? Nope. We are sitting here without beer. Thank you. No, we didn't, oh, we didn't beer. give them. Oh, we didn't have enough beer. Shortage. Wow. So yeah. I invited you to hang out under the pretense that you'd have something to do, and I lied. I can tell you which glass is green and which glass is red. Okay. Which glass is <laughs> more than Warren can do? It would be. <laughs> Oh my God, uh, Vivo! Way to make fun of the handicap, oh. Vivo. <laughs> yeah, you know, sorry, Marshall. What might be interesting is uh. just to have them vote without tasting, just based on color, and see <laughs> the accuracy rate between those of us who have tasted and those of us who are just fucking drawing a straw. Oh, he was watching our faces. Down. Okay, uh, why don't we do that, guys? Adam, just pick a color. What do you think is the different, <laughs> the different beer of the three? I'm gonna say blue on this one. Blue. Adam's okay. got blue. Okay. Matt, I'm, I'm documenting. He's clearly wrong. It's red. Okay. Red. So got it. We'll just see how they did without uh, tasting. Adam's got a great Don't palette. be color biased. Yeah. Whatsoever. <laughs> now, now I forget how this works. You know, now that you have all the results, do you do you tell us exactly what the beer is and what we're looking for before we we find out the results? Uh, sure. Yeah, I can do it. How, whatever order you guys want. You guys have already. Uh, so typically, what we would do is have uh, the. Um, uh, participant pool come out or, or you know they, they'll take the test they don't know anything about the beers right uh, typically won't even know the style though uh, there's some talk about that not really being you know not mattering very much um, but once the data's in if they want to know about it I'll usually pull them aside and, and tell them what the variable is so you guys have already all taken the uh, taken the survey so I can talk as much about it as I want to. okay yeah let's do that we, so we all tasted it at the break for you listeners at, at Drank home the Kool-Aid. You know and of course the triangle <laughs> test is designed for us to pick out the the standout beer the one of the three that is different uh, that's right so Marshall go ahead and tell us about the beer and, and what the experiment is all right well one of the um, one of the things one of the reasons I don't like to uh, enter competitions and whatnot is because I hate the process of packaging beer so the first question is do, did they were they okay were, or were they contaminated? I don't think they were so contaminated. I didn't, no, I didn't get no. any contamination. Okay, okay. So, so then the second thing is um, these beers don't expect them to be, you know, high quality. That makes me feel better when I tell Why people. Why didn't you get to check that box? Because <laughs> you're a shitty brewer? Okay, right. fine. Yeah. Well, um, so so I'll, I'll, I'll explain to you what the beer is first. And then um, does anybody have an idea what the variable is on this one? Anyone really uh, confident in their guess? No. I, do not. I was just uh, going off of... Um, the one I hated. Yeah, I, I'll be honest. I found them what all the, to be extremely similar. That's what my palate was, te- was telling me. It's the same uh, hot size, the same same malt, and all that. Kind oh of yeah, thing. yeah. There's something down, downstream that's been dip, done different. Yeah, yeah. The, the, yeah. The there's something. There's similar beers. No off flavors. No, uh, you didn't fuck up that part. Yeah. Um, if it is a packaging <laughs> issue, how long has it been since they've been packaged? 
Uh, JP, what was it like uh, four days ago? That Something like that, yeah. And they, yeah, they showed yeah. up on Saturday, and they went right in my fridge. Yeah, I didn't, yeah. Get, I yeah. didn't get a lot of oxidation off of any of them. They're, that wasn't any of the issues. There's yeah. something else. You I, I can't think of it. I can't guess it very well. Wait, so JP yeah. brewed it? No, no, <laughs> JP just approved I would never it. do that to you guys. Oh, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, wow. yeah. Yeah, so no, wonder, scientific. no wonder all these. He were did terrible. touch the bottles, though. I've been holding my fart in for no reason now. Fuck you guys. <laughs> I thought we talked about that. Boom. <laughs> to me, the only the the variable I was sensing, the only thing I picked out was actually a mouthfeel thing. I found huh. two of them to be. Um, I don't know, I guess more watered down than the one that I chose, that it just had a little more uh, character to it. That, hmm. and more, that's what I, I honestly, okay. I, I wasn't picking anything else out other than that. I got a, a, um, a similar in that it was a mouthfeel, but I, I found two of them a little more creamy, a little sweeter. Okay. Yes, sweeter I did two, the same. Two were rounder, found, one was sharper. Yeah. I found two, oh. then one was a little crisper. Okay. Yeah. Got it. He, he says crisper. But it was. <laughs> but I don't know. Uh, Doc, good. Wow. Doc really liked your beers, Marshall. He's really, <laughs> yeah. he, uh, I can it's tell. a good experiment. But I don't know, yeah. like what you know. Well, I'll tell you what. Um, be, before you guys aren't talking about what you picked yet, so I'll hold off on that as well, and I'll give you a little bit of background on the recipe. They were both. Um, with with one exception, and it had nothing to do with ingredients, they were both the same thing. So uh, we're looking at 86% Barca Pilsner malt. That's the Vireman put out that Barca Pilsner a um, couple months ago, what, six months ago or so. And uh, I didn't realize it at first, but what I get from this beer is almost like uh, what somebody else described as like a grape skin Kind of a, um, it's not tart, but it kind of has that kind of. It's just tanniny. I will agree with that. It, it, but it's mm-hmm. not. But it's not. Yeah, I agree. It's. It, it, but it's that grape skin thing. And it's at first when I first started using, I bought a ton of this malt because I thought it was going to be amazing. And when I first started using it, um, I was picking it up, and I thought that I was. I thought I had a, picked up an, uh, some sort of an infection, and um, and then every beer I would use this malt in, I was getting that same that same character. Excuse me. And uh, <laughs> have another one, Marshall. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know. Okay. Right. Don't drink Don't the red care. one. I get a sort um, of a slickness associated with uh, an infected beer. Or oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, I didn't get that. I didn't either. But I did. When he mentions the the kind of grape note, the the yeah. skin note, and maybe that's even what I ended up picking out as a mouthfeel thing. The yeah. the one I chose, I guess, just had more of that. Is what I was picking up. Yeah, this is a um, so I, I pick it up every I, so I bought a, I bought two sacks each of the Pilsner, the Vienna, and the Munich, and in each in all of those, um, I've gotten the same character. So I'm I'm just we'll just say that I'm glad to be almost done with this malt because I've made up I've made other beers without this malt and I'm not getting that character. So okay, um, and I that was I thought that might come through as some sort of a contamination and whatnot. Um, so anyways, the the what one of the beers I'll I'll give it away now and then you guys can tell each other what you what what each of you picked. Um, one of the beers had a, a – the, both beers had a single hop addition. Uh, one of them had it at first wort hop, and it was a 60-minute boil. So first 80 grams of a 2.4 alpha acid uh, middle through um, to, to bring it up to 31 IBU. And the other one had it added at 60 minutes, um, so not first wort hop. So if you guys um, are, are on Facebook at all or anything like that, you noticed that Stan Hieronymus put out an article uh, what about a month and a half ago or so talking about first wort hops and how they may not actually make much of a difference. We tested this out a few years ago and uh, I thought I'd hit it up again and it just happened to be the same 
you know, month that Stan put that article out. So that was pretty interesting. But yeah, yeah so this is a first word hop versus a 60 minute, a typical 60 minute edition. So just for the, just the one hop edition, that's it. And that's it. Yeah. And I, I get, you know, the, you, you lose a lot of the complexity, I think, the hop complexity or uh, when, when you do that. But I wanted to really focus just on that one variable. Mm-hmm. And so did you use the same weight of hops first word same. versus 60 minute or how do you yeah. calculate IBUs? No, that's good. Yeah. So um, I use the same weight of hops. They both got 80 grams. And the first wort hop, I believe, was predicted. The IBU is predicted to be something like, uh, let's, I'm looking it up now, 30.6. And the, I'm going to open it now. And the boil edition was like 28. Um, so not very, not very different. I actually sent these in to Oregon Brew Labs to have them tested, and uh, the results are, I'm awaiting and will be included in the article for so this one. So just for uh, listeners uh, learning something, what's the, the meaning? Why would you first word hop something? What, what does that do to the beer? Yeah, it's good. Uh, so, so first wort hop. Well, first off, what is a first wort hop? It's typically, I think, on the homebrew scale, um, and 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 I and I know professional brewers who do it the same way. You, you're adding your initial dose of hops uh, before you uh, before you uh, uh, louder, and then add that wort, add that sweet wort to your your mash tun or your uh, boil kettle. Um, so basically, those hops are sticking around in your in your sweet wort um, for a little bit longer than they would if you're adding them right at the boil. And what that's said to do is carry through some of the flavor and aromatic components of the hops uh, into the finished beer. And how, I, does it, how does it do that? Is, that, is it because of those uh, more concentrated sugar molecules, it binds to those or something? Is that what you, the, I, at this point, all there is out there is hypothesis. Um, but but on, honestly, I, it from a, from like a practical level, it never made sense to me how in the world having them, having them in there for you know, an extra half an hour at most. Okay, cool. Thanks for that. <laughs> can, can, well, yeah. extra IBUs, you're driving off all the volatiles because the wort is too hot for all the, the aromatics to stay yeah. behind. Or are you? But we're trying to, like, look at the other things that maybe stay in. You are. They, they combine with things. You are. It's fine. Um, what, what were the alpha acid years. percent on, on your hops? Two, it was really low, and I, I chose yeah. these ones uh, intentionally so that there would be a nice big uh, uh, upfront addition. They were two point four percent AA. Yeah, um, wow. that's a lot of IBUs for that. You think two two point four percent alpha percent? And he's trying to get thirty time. IBUs out of this, so, I so see. it's like oh, that's a lot of hops. That's a lot of hops and a lot of mm-hmm. like vegetative stuff yes. rolling in. Yeah. Okay, absolutely. Yeah, like I said, it was eighty grams of hops for a five-gallon batch. I don't know. What We're in the are. U.S., Marshall. Oh, okay, just blue. Oh, sorry. Mind. <laughs> yeah. so Welcome to America. Remember so what's that like a bucket full or <laughs> you're, talking, yeah, grams you're talking grams? Well, yeah. And he's old. Now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I can't learn that's new just, things. About a hair under, um, about two and a half ounces. Mm. Interestingly, that doesn't clear up anything. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Which is not Marshall's fault, clearly. Yeah. About it's, a about, it's about this much. Okay. Uh, was it a, a gray hair or a red hair? <laughs> Can I ask for a clarification and, and maybe consensus what on the definition of, uh, of the first word? Because it, if I understood you right, you're saying it goes into the mash tun. No, no, no. Before, no, no you no. said before first, loudering. First running. Uh, it's before you start to boil. So it's yeah. as you're loudering. It, yes. It's, yeah. Okay. So it's That's what well, I thought. No, so not it's, loudering. It's in sparging. The, sparging. Yeah. Well, and louder. First running. Loudering's recirculating. Yeah. Yeah, 
Got it. So you take that sticky that sweet liquid before it goes into the boil kettle, and then you put it on top of hops that are in your kettle. Okay, that's what I thought it was. Okay. Yeah. So you yeah. add it to the sticky stuff. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> right. It's in the kettle as you're yes. running wort from the mash into the kettle. Yeah. yeah. Which is and this is one of those 180 things. 180 degrees versus boiling is like 212. Yeah, yeah, got it. Right. Uh, and, and this is one of those, um, you know, I started first wort hopping, what was it, like five or six years ago. Um, I'd read about it on some forum. And, um, you know, the, 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 the big thing was that it was you were going to get aromatic carry through, that you were going to – that the beer was – so if you used, you know, we all of us hop with Magnum or Warrior or something like that or bitter with Magnum or Warrior uh, because it's, it's cheap and it's high alpha and you get that nice bitterness from it. Um, but we save our, our more expensive aroma hops for the end of the boil because we don't want to waste those on IBU. Um, one of the arguments about first wort hop was that you could take, you know, your Amarillo or your Citra or whatever and first wort hop with that and have a kind of a unique aromatic carry through uh, from that. Like those oils when volatilized during the boil? I mean, that, tell how me, are they that's, locked in? That's always been my, yeah, I, I first wort hop because it saves me from a boil over when I add oh, the yeah, 60 minute yeah, hop yeah, addition. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Okay, Tasty, so. you used to sure. do this, right? You used to talk about in, in some of your I've tales. I've mash hopped, which essentially is, is first, ah. first word hopping. It's even earlier. You're transferring the oils over yeah. to the kettle. Uh, no, I never noticed it made yeah. any particular difference. And he it's said, just, it, you know, it's kind of more of a theoretical. It's like really what kind of binds with so, what and yeah. does it carry over? And Okay. Because I'm, a beer I made, I've made over and over again is Janice Brown Ale, and it calls for a, a mash hop. And sometimes I forget to do it, and I added, like, you know, at 60... And I, I, I could never tell the difference. Got it. So I understand that we're looking for the difference between a 60 and a first wort, but what was your hypothesis? Like, what, what, what would the difference be that we picked up more hop aroma or flavor, Marshall? So... Yeah, so there there are two things. Yeah, one of them would be I think the conventional idea behind what first wort hopping is supposed to do, uh, you would pick up more hop aroma, hop flavor, um, and it would be a, a unique character as opposed to you know the, a fifteen minute edition that you would expect from Hollerdal Middlefru. Okay, uh, this that's one thing. But the other thing, I think I think it was Beardy who said this. Um, you might expect the first wort hop beer to also be a little bit more bitter. Um, and based on what Beersmith pushes out, you know, it's it's like what two and a half, three IBU difference, um, which I don't, I'm not sure that difference is perceptible, you know, by the human palate. But uh, so that those those are kind of the right. two things, and and people swear by it. I mean, there's a lot of dogma when it comes to this kind of stuff because it is, um, you know, it's a traditional technique, traditional German technique, really. Okay, the average is five IBUs. Five IBUs for, for the typical person. But to every, taste but every, person, right? yeah. well, every person's palate's different. There's some people more sensitive, but average kind of is five IBUs. Yeah. yeah. Okay. For you more, because you're old. Right. Right. <laughs> Understood. Okay. Well, he's old. Now. How do we do, Marshall? Well, uh, I will reveal here. Um, it, JP was the first one to submit, and he chose the blue cup. I did. Uh, Justin, you chose the blue cup. Yes. Hey. Tasty mm-hmm. chose the blue cup. Okay. Um, Adam chose the blue cup. Yeah, <laughs> I told you. He's, that's, a, well, that's a good palate there. He's Upland's guy. Wait for it. Doesn't mean across right. the room. Yeah. Well, we were uh, all making then, out. So. Nobody chose the green cup. Uh, Matt, Doc, and Warren all chose the uh, the red cup. Okay. And uh, and so so it's almost that's about as even split as five people can get. Well, that's six people. Yeah. Um, and and the blue one was the was the different one. That yes. was the wow. That's right. Here we go, JP. So why did I hate the red one? My last victory. That's right. 
Uh, you go out on top. I, I, I'm still 100. Yeah, first time I ever got the triangle test right. Really? Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> Kudos, tasty. Okay. Um, Thank you. The, yeah. So the blue one. And does anybody? I mean, it, for those who got it right, did you think it was a shoe in? Did you know it well? Or no, I, I just had less of a malt character, a little less malt body or something. I don't know. That's what I was uh, picking up. Yeah. The, so. Uh, w- so which what which is it? is that the one that which which what is the blue cup? What, what's the difference? Well, yeah, I was going to ask you to guess, but the, oh, oh. the um. Well, let's, the, guess, let's, let's guess, guess. Let's guess. Let's guess. Let's guess. I think the uh, the the blue cup is the sixty minute, not the first word. I okay. think the opposite. I also think the opposite. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Who wins? <laughs> uh, the the uh, JP and Justin winner winner chicken dinner. There you yeah, go, dude. <laughs> Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So that one was first wort hopped um, with 80 grams of Holler Tower Middle Fru. A good handful. Grams. A good handful. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> it, I mean, the the beers were different, sort of slightly different. But I mean, they um, were different. They were they were like objectively different. They were made differently. Um, and and at this point, you guys are kind yeah. of in the middle of my of my data collection set. So I'm not I'm not totally sure how this is going to pan out. Um, but but if you if you know if you look at the fact that two people were wrong and three people were right. That's not conclusive by any means. Um, I've done three blind triangles myself, and I've only gotten it right once. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And so we have this – we kind of have this technique that we use to blind triangle test ourselves where we'll take four of our opaque cups, and then we mark the bottom of two with you know with one, and then mark the bottom of the other one with the other, and, uh, and then pour – you know two sets of each and then we'll just kind of you know sing a song or do something to distract ourselves while we're mixing them up and then we'll pull three of them uh and so one will always be different in that scenario and uh i've only gotten yeah one out of three right so far wow okay Uh, you're a fucking riot at parties dude (laughs) yeah i don't do that when people are looking (laughs) yeah he's also never invited to parties this is true this is true yeah nothing nothing new right marcia do you think like Doing more and more of these triangle tests will, will like uh, embarrass help more your, people. Help your palate like uh, become more like uh, calibrated to a finer detail. Well, I can. Um, I was just looking at the number that I've done myself. We've got a crew of guys who are doing these things, and I've done fifty six. Uh, we're we're pushing a hundred and what sixty now, something like that altogether. I think I've done fifty six myself, and I don't feel if, no if, if anything, I'm more doubtful of my abilities. You know, because you know how bad you are. Yeah, right. I'm, I'm <laughs> Thanks. Getting it. Yeah, yeah, it's exactly. true though. No. Well, well yeah. and I don't even know if it's it, like people always get butt hurt when they get it wrong. If, it's like I hate telling people when they got it right or they got it wrong because they take it personal. But the, the reality is that what that signifies is that the variable doesn't make the uh, the the, dif- the big a big enough difference or at least the, the difference that you thought it was going to make. Now, you run into people that get it right every time, right? Or, no, or no, 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 never. Are you what, kidding me? What, no what would be the yeah. most who what would be the best ninja Palette you run into. It gets right 20% of oh. the time. Eli Trinkle. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. Eli, Eli Trinkle. Only person, 100% Ninja right. palette extraordinaire. <laughs> he actually invented taste buds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and the triangle test. Right. And the test um, itself. He'll hijack yeah. your taste buds. There was, we, um, it's, this is an interesting observation that I've made, and I've never, I've never actually analyzed the data, so, so don't, you know, don't quote me on this one, but um, there, there, the, 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 the few people who I've noticed seem to uh, select the unique sample the quickest, uh, if that matters. They're usually women, um, and they don't 
they're like, you know, you get these dudes over here who've been brewing for four or five years and who, you know, laud themselves for being such amazing uh, tasters and whatnot. And they sure. spend five minutes on a triangle test and they get it wrong. Yeah. And then you'll, and I'll, you know, I have this, this guy and his wife will come over and she picks him up and she's like, boom, that was easy. And she nails, she probably nails it more than <laughs> I should look at. It. I should look at it at some point. But she, yeah, she gets it right, you know, more often than her husband does. Okay, so, so under the principle of the, of the triangle test, then those who get it right would move on to do some more subjective analysis, right? Because that means they have good palates. In this case, yeah. those, those women don't know anything about beer. I, I'm going to just step oh, no, in here. Uh, I'm not that tasty. Well, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying uh, they randomly get it right because they have good particular palates. pool. So if I know where Tasty's going, and I think the opposite is true. Based on what Marshall said about how, how he doesn't get it right, uh, it's actually showing the... Uh, the true subjectivity of our opinion when we're evaluating beer. We are, we're just not very objective. And the, the set of people that he said, and they just happen to be women, I think, in this case, that he said get it uh, right quickly, they don't give a shit. They do not have a uh, subjective opinion about beer. They're not spending five minutes analyzing the ingredients. and They're literally just picking out a thing that's different, well, which is far more objective than sure. those of us who are like, I know about beer. Beer, what is yeah. the part yeah. that I'm the, tasting? Yeah, because I know so much yeah. about beer flavors, I dial into the wrong thing. Yeah, right. I, 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 binary I don't, I don't know much easier. about beer flavors. Right. It's just easy just to tell the difference. So I would go farther just to say that if he took that pool of people, people that's doing so well uh, with an objective opinion, just very quickly picking it out, and moved them into more taste tests, they would progressively do worse and worse yeah. because Absolutely. their objectivity yeah. would, de- yeah. it would yeah, decline, yeah. I right? Think you're right? Well, they don't have the beer ego. Like but a, they would develop. I was going to say what <laughs> yeah. Doc said that the, the the pride isn't there. Like we're you know we're yeah. a proud lot, and, and it, like brewers just I think naturally are are you know that's why we love judging and it's why we love you know our BJCP certifications and stuff like that. Right. Um, what we don't want to be wrong, and and you know I'll get somebody over into my garage, uh, you know, uh, doing one of these tests who's been brewing for six months, and they come in. Like the expert, and you know, and it's and I don't and I, I'm not dissing him. We've all been there, you know, and it, it's yeah. that it's that same mentality. It's that same feeling of like, I know what the fuck I'm talking about, and I'm gonna nail this. And they and they think they get it right, right. and that's it's always that. And the one and 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 one of the funniest observations I've made in my 56 and in the 150 that we've done all together is almost ubiquitously there will be. One beer that's liked and the other one is loathed by by and it could it, it could be you're comparing two of the same exact beers. If you get it wrong and we have you do that preference test, you're comparing the same exact beers. Yeah, wow. those 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 are from the same keg, and you know they'll be like, oh, this one's good, but man, that one is terrible. And we get that so often. Wow. That, that's really interesting that you say that because uh, when we were doing the test batches for uh, our pilsner, the pre-prohibition pilsner, we were talking about, we yeah. actually did a first wort trial with that. So we had, I believe, five different beers. Some of them were first were um, hopped, and, and some and some were not. And we would take these around to bars uh, in Terre Haute, where there are some old guys that actually had the old version of Champagne wow. Velvet. You know, and so we we could discern virtually no difference in these beers. Right. Like they were all very very subtle. And but you would get these these old codgers, and they'd be like, they would take a sip of one, and they'd be like, this shit, and they would just pass it <laughs> on. And the next one would be like, this is the best. Pilsner I've ever had. It, you nailed it. Right. And we yeah. couldn't tell. We couldn't tell a difference uh, okay. at all. 
Interesting. Well, it's and amazing. in terms yeah. of the objectivity, your memory there. When I asked Adam about his his tasting Let's panel, uh, I think he even sort of discussed this that if somebody is like particularly sensitive to to one flavor, they might not be included on the panel uh, because they're just not a, as objective as you're looking for. On the other hand, if you were concerned that a beer had diacetyl, and you and one of your team members was particularly sensitive to that. You're not looking for objectivity. You want them to come pick out that flavor uh, and tell you if it's there. Certainly, but you also aren't going to base your decision solely off that one person's, sure. yeah. you know, no. uh, inclinations. So, you know, we always we always get a, a consensus before we make any sort of decision. Sure, and that makes sense. I'm just talking about the, you know, in in Marshall's experiments, he's really just looking for objectivity, and and it's which is hard to get. Especially right. with a bunch of fucking douchey brewers. <laughs> True. <laughs> yeah. Or brewcasters. Yeah, we, I mean, we all fit the bill. Right. Uh, you you well. know, the, the one, we, we, uh, oftentimes, you know, the, the, the people who come out of the woodwork when we release these things, and it's only when there's a non-significant result on something that people fully expected there to be a significant result on. Yeah. Uh, you know, people will come out of the woodwork with, well, you need to be, t- you know, you need to select your tasting panel they need to be you know super tasters or they need to be well what you know what good does that do us if our point um as home brewers who are trying to have a good time if our point is just to show people um this is what you, the typical you know craft beer drinker is able to do yeah uh, you know we're not uh, the, the last thing i want to do is go out in there go out there and provide this esoteric data that's like, you know, we selected from from, you know, 30 people, we got everyone who could taste DMS at, you know, 2 ppm or whatever it is. <laughs> and and they, and hey, they found it in this beer. Well, that's boring. That doesn't that's not applicable to anybody out there who's brewing, you know. Right. right. And that's why Marshall with we we actually pay attention to your stuff and we think that you're doing a a, a great job and and it helps us Thanks, man. to yeah, it helps us to kind of you know, you're doing the same kind of thing that we would do internally on just a small scale. You know, we, right. we, we can't necessarily run an experiment on a 30-barrel scale. Um, so we'll do a lot of 10-gallon batches, too. And we, we can't be more scientific than you can. So when looking through the brewlosophy stuff, we'll at least be able to say, okay, this if, if you can't get a statistically relevant uh, result on this category of things as it regards to, you know, whatever the topic might be, maybe we don't need to spend so much time on that. And spend right. time on some other things that could be more of a priority for us. It just helps have that that little tidbit of information. Whether or not you, any any given experiment is like perfectly executed or not, you right. still you do enough of them and you do them at least as well as we could, and it gives us uh, some food for thought. No, that's that's really cool to hear. And you know, one of the things I've I've had a few uh, you know professional, much bigger scale you know breweries than than what we're doing uh, contact me. And my and my my response to them is always the same. Like you know, the people who are coming over and doing these tests, they're your thoughtful beer drinkers. You know, the, the person who's coming in off the street, they they're they're probably less experienced than than ninety nine percent of our uh, participant pool. You know, these are people who are nerds who see that we're you know we're posting on Facebook to come over and participate in a beer experiment and are like, yeah, that sounds like a fun thing to do on my Saturday. Right, you know, right. Uh, and so I have to believe that the you know these are the folks if they're not able to distinguish reliably you know a difference between a beer that's in you know i know jp's not going not going to like this but a beer that's fermented at you know 66 degrees and they call it a pilsner versus off, one that's <laughs> you know you know which by the way i will tell you that this beer was fermented 
two spec, uh, 50 degrees for two and a half, three weeks. I ramped it up for a D rest at 58 or 60 degrees was also, you're, you're safe there, but, um, but you know, that, that's, that's kind of my way of looking at it as well as you, you got these, you know, out of 30 people or whatever it is, you got, you know, 20 couldn't tell a difference and, and they're kind of a, a, a kind of a nerdy, you know, hypersensitive group, but that's, you know, it says something. What strain did you use? Uh, this is the uh, Imperial Organic Yeast. I've really been getting into their stuff. It's their Urkel. Well, they call it Urkel, um, but the uh, Pilsner Urkel strain. Yeah. Okay. I do. Yeah. Organic yeast, Marshall. Isn't I it know. all? Isn't it know, all? I, I didn't uh, name it. What a hippie. You know? Okay. Yeah. Imperial yeast. We'll call it that. You know, actually, looking at the, the, the caps here, I think the G I thought was a B. What the fuck? What? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. He lost me on that one. It means he mixed them up, and so oh, the green is actually It was a bad joke, one. and I, I was see. hoping that Marshall oh, would, like, freak out. Oh, okay. I didn't get the caps. <laughs> oh, the <laughs> bottle caps of the beers you poured into the glass. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. God. I'm just thinking like a listener, <laughs> or like right. me. Well, uh, either true. way, I didn't understand. When you make yeah. me explain it, it's less funny. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What does that tell you about you, Warren? That your jokes are shitty. Fuck. So I was gonna, I was gonna go. I got, I got like internally angry until you told us it was a joke. So. See, there you go. It all worked. Yeah. Now, Marshall, the second part of the survey was which one did we like the best? Yeah, and uh, which one collectively did we like the best? Dude, I got to open that page back up. Uh, sorry, I just find that because I think there are really two results here. Like, is there a difference? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, do we like the difference? Or can we determine the difference? And right. do we like the difference? Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. It was so, kind of um, subtle. Well, yeah. I never told you guys. That, that, yeah, I told you that the blue one was actually the first word hop. Yes. Yeah. You guys knew that. Okay, so um, of the uh, – well, I mean, yeah. Uh, of the three people who, who chose the blue one, the different one, um, all three preferred the blue one. Okay. Yeah. 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 I agree with that. That's story. interesting. So yeah, did Adam, I mean, by well, the way. Yeah, he also yeah, preferred the – Except right. for Adam, yeah. I didn't, yeah. We didn't take his preference rating. But. What I think is interesting is that even since Doc and I picked the red one, even with uh, Justin and JP's kind of what do you think's different, all of us were unanimous in that one was sharper or yeah. more bitter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We just picked different ones. And so even the, Tasty, you know, is a very similar thing talking yeah. about the maltiness of, of the beer. Exactly. Too. Yeah. We all kind of picked the right variable. Right. But we just picked a different it one. Yeah. yeah. It's more about so, your, what your pal is sensitive to. Kind of. You yeah. see how Warren tries to crowbar himself into the winner's circle? <laughs> he does it every time. You win. Dude. Sorry, <laughs> Mr. Perfect Record. Unchecked. I have a perfect record. Yeah. That's as long right. as no one checks it, yeah, you have yeah. a perfect record. Marshall, check and make sure that I have a perfect record. Yeah, next Time, next time you come back, Marshall, if you don't mind che- coming back with JP's stats, that would be fantastic. Yeah. Uh, so I, ju- I just, uh, for fun, because of the sharper comment, um, I thought it'd be interesting to look, you know, given how low the alpha acid was of the middle fruit that I used for this beer, uh, the the difference, if, if I were to hop these based on Beersmith uh, to the same IBU, predicted IBU, uh, the difference is... Uh, so 73 grams versus 80 grams. So the 60, the 60 minute one or the first wort hot beer would have only received 73 to achieve the same IBU. Um, that's so seven grams is a, almost exactly a quarter of an ounce. So okay. it's not really that much different. Um, yeah. Well, so that bear, so that's just a, hardly a, a quarter of an ounce at two and a half. That's 10 percent by weight. That's a that's a decent amount. Maybe. At a low alpha, uh, not maybe. T- but you're at two at two point four percent AA, so not two point four percent amount in the beer. Yeah, the AA. No, 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 so no, I, I thought you said it was eighty grams was two and a half ounces. 
No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, about yeah. two and a half ounces, right? And then you said seven grams was a quarter of an ounce. It's actually 2.82. <laughs> I mathed it really hard. Yeah. 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 Um, that's yeah. weed about, talk. About a quarter. Yeah. yeah. So it's a 10% <laughs> by weight difference. You know, uh, hang that's on one a, second. Uh, Eli Trinkle just wrote in. He says, shut the fuck up, Beardy. <laughs> it's not as great when he says it. <laughs> he said it in another language that I don't understand. <laughs> well, he said it while he's making a guitar. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. A banjo. That's what they play in Indiana. <laughs> All right. Anything else to discuss with this experiment, Marshall? No, that's it on this one. Yeah, I'll be interested to see how the uh, the the rest of the data pans out. Uh, I, couldn't, I can't believe the three of you got it right so quickly. Fuck uh, you. Yeah, I can't believe <laughs> well, no, JP I mean, got I, it right I, either. I'm lucky. It's only three that's choices. Re- that's relative know. to my performance. He did touch all right. the beers. That's true. <laughs> well, we are far superior to Marshall. We've been doing this longer. That's true. Indeed. Indeed. So. Yeah. <laughs> we just don't write it down. <laughs> I also got the crib sheet, so it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Marshall. Thank you so much for another great experiment. I uh, really enjoyed doing these with you we learn a lot so thanks man hey thanks a lot for having me on guys all right keep it up over there at brewlosophy.com check them out and the podcast available i'm sure on itunes uh and other places that he Probably wasn't not. too lazy to post it like me yeah um, he'll give you a qr code for it though so that's cool <laughs> yeah he's real hip thanks marshall later guys right, yeah. there you go doing some right in fres yes that's right makes one of them yeah broom beer isn't one of them i'll tell you that yeah Okay, well, Twitter game, almost. All right. Oh fuck. First, craftbeer.com. If you like cooking with craft beer, you got to check out the recipes on craftbeer.com. Uh, published by the Brewers Association, craftbeer.com offers the most comprehensive collection of craft beer-based recipes on the web. It's really something to behold. Uh, search and sort recipes by course and beer style to find the perfect menu item. Breakfast stout French toast stuffed with bourbon cream cheese frosting, for example. Go check it out at craftbeer.com to search their craft beer cooking recipes and pairing ideas. You won't be disappointed. Good stuff over there at craftbeer.com. All right, what was our Twitter game today? Our Twitter game was I wanted to figure out what piece of clothing the BN Army, which is our fan base, Justin, if you oh, knew that or not, I've heard of um, would be, uh, we would make um, vomit-proof, blood-proof, bodily fluid-proof. Okay. Okay? Like, yes. we need that. Like, we, well, we, I think we do. Well, we used to need it more, I think. Well, <laughs> some of us will need it sooner rather than later. <coughs> That's true. Yeah. Uh, Kyle Larson says uh, camo print cargo shorts. Okay. I think that's for Doc. Camo print. Camo print. Mm-hmm. Like the ones I'm wearing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Andrew Boozer says Coveyors, which is... You getcoveyors.com. That's right. Throw, Thank you very much. Pay him for that if answer. you're laying down and throwing up, that'd be great. Well, I was going to say, yeah, the, the, uh, the things that would have to happen for you to get all of these fluids on your head. Um, that really is a BN party, though. <laughs> no, that's so, what I'm saying. Um, I think it fits. That's why I put it we in haven't there. seen that. on the ground. Uh, yeah. Not for the plug. We've okay. seen that. Uh, Paul Shank says, water vomit-proof assless chaps. You never know when there might be a boil over or vomit when JP's holding his baby and brewing. Um, I would offer that all chaps are assless. Correct. Okay, so let's throw Paul out. What do you Redundant. think? Because you don't even know yeah. what the fuck chaps are. I'm down with that. I don't know, whatever. Okay, first um, off, you do. And Alex B. <laughs> says, a vomit-proof merkin, you know, for the elegant <laughs> ladies. I like that. Uh, by 70s. the way, merkins are for men. No. Aren't they? No. No? No, no. This is, is there that a gender? Uh, vagina hair? I well, think it's, it's just fake. No, there's a different it's, it's like name a for a guy. It's like a toupee for their... Got it. Yeah. Okay. 
I stand corrected. It's when they want to like you know. Is there is be there older are there different you. names for genders? I thought there was. I think it's just new gender neutral. Artificial covering of hair for the pubic area. Um, okay. Yeah. Hmm. Wow. Anyway, um, it's about the movies. Uh, Andrew uh, check maybe? I don't know. Maybe it's the crazy Hudicheks. I don't know how to spell the fucker's last name. Could it be um, one of the crazy Russians? Related to the Trinkles. He says, a bib is all that is needed. A bib. A bib. Yeah. 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 That is bib. practical and accurate. Really. I agree, right? Although it doesn't really cover other people's fluids landing on you, only your own. It depends are, if yeah. you have projectile vomiting friends. It could be almost a poncho-sized bib, too. Yeah. Are you yeah, worried about having a vomit-proof bib? Even if it's from somebody else, projectile or whatever, you're usually uh, hunching over at that no, point. Yeah. Not always. There are sure. exceptions to the rule. But uh, Have you been drop. around my brother? Yeah, I, I'm gonna, sorry, who to check. I my brother no gets this no, confused right. look on his face. Before he throws. Oh, just, just projectile. Uh, and then last but not least, Barley Boy says, The water vomit-proof sleeveless tuxedo modeled by world-famous uh, number 110 strongman. No. Eli Trinkle. Eli, Eli Trinkle, yeah. Perfect. <laughs> How did you know it. that? I mean, yeah. I don't understand he's the f- fucking world-famous. Yeah. World-famous 110-pound yeah, strongman Eli Trinkle. Okay, that's what it is. <laughs> He's going to have a horrible Tuesday, isn't he? I'm going to take and out the was, number. It was, Every a, Tuesday it was a sleeveless tuxedo? Yeah. Sleeve- Water vomit-proof sleeveless tuxedo. If anyone can well, pull that off, it's Eli Trinkle. It's Eli Trinkle. Well, you know, if you're right. going to look good with vomit on you, you might as well be wearing <laughs> yeah. a tuxedo. Correct. I like the use of uh, what would be considered fashion at the Brewing Network. It's true. That's true. <laughs> like a sleeveless. And uh-huh. the incorporation of our new friend and world-famous Eli Trinkle. Eli Trinkle. So that's my vote for our Twitter game yes. winner tonight. I agree. I agree. Let's do it. Theme of the yep. show. Okay. Yeah. So, Eli, send us an email. Yeah. By the way, shirt. would you like the Wikipedia definition of a merkin? Yes. Please. I don't know why, but yes. A merkin is a pubic wig. Mm-hmm. Full stop. Merkins were originally worn by prostitutes after shaving their genitalia mm. and are now used as decorative items, erotic devices, or in films by both men and women. The female okay. version is usually made of fur, beaver pelts, linen, or some soft version of cloth, while the male version is usually made of loops, chains, or metal. <laughs> okay. What? Mm. I don't know. Doesn't there sound like a... Okay. Okay. That just That's what it is. So everybody gets a trophy. Everybody's right on this. Everyone's one. right on yeah. this. Okay. I'm right more than anybody, though. Well, you have a perfect record. Stop throwing that in my face. <laughs> I do. You hit Trump. All right. Good job. <laughs> uh, if you're looking for other things for your genitalia, don't forget yes. about AdamandEve.com. Ah. Adam and Eve is determined to help you spice things up in the bedroom, and that's why they're backing up that promise. So check this out. AdamandEve.com, and you get 50% off uh, just about any item when you enter coupon code BNARMY at checkout. And that's a good deal in and of itself, but now backed by popular demand and for a limited time, you'll also get the free Big O kit. Uh, and who doesn't love the Big O? Adam and Eve's Big O kit, including their exclusive Climax gel and a mini vibrator. So now you get a new way to get her off. Uh, or him off. You know, you never know. Uh, what girl wouldn't love that? Um, you also get your entire order sent to you for free. So take advantage of this limited time offer. Choose a new adult toy, a naughty movie, or almost anything else. When you choose that one item at 50% off, you'll get free shipping, plus the Big O kit, which includes the Climax gel and mini vibrator. You won't find this deal anywhere else. Uh, which is probably a lie, let's be honest. Um, but you can use offer code BNARMY, B-N-A-R-M-Y, at checkout. That's B-N-A-R-M-Y at adamandeve.com. Is there a button on the page? <laughs> I didn't on see it On the web page? 
I want <laughs> where you shop it. You went to shop. There's no is button. There a button. There's no link. Is there no. a button on, on the web page? There yeah. used to be, uh, there used to be a banner. Um, but uh, no, there's not a direct Adam Neve button. You got to go to adamneve.com and use the coupon code. That's how we get the credit. So no direct link. Good doc, to know. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> was your right hand too busy to uh, go yeah. directly there? Um, go to your favorites. I was shopping for somebody else. Yeah. What did you buy? Nothing. I couldn't find, <laughs> couldn't find the link. Yeah. Um, oh, you, never, you never made it. To, you are lazy. Oh, as no, oh no. Actually, I made it there. I AOL did. only loads one button per page. <laughs> do you, apparently. Yeah. Do you. Wait, Radials You don't want to so. tell us what uh, item you were shopping for? No. <laughs> We don't know the. We don't know who he is. Right. He, <laughs> Eli okay. Trinkle is a very mysterious man. <laughs> yeah. Send a gift to Eli Trinkle. The, the real nail in the coffin oh. is that the offer code could now be Eli Trinkle. We should change oh. it. I should ask to change it. Don't, yeah. Trinkle. Don't change it before tomorrow. Catch I, ca- him. I can't spell Trinkle. <laughs> Catch him on Eli Trinkle's traveling road show. Opening for the Jim Rose Circus. <laughs> Eli Trinkle's signature line of Merkins. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Farmer's Market. Um, and 4 by 4s Where you can meet Eli and hand him a dildo. Incidentally, yeah. we're hiring for another sour brewer, uh, uplandbeer.com. Okay. Uh, nice. No. All right. Bloomington's a great part of the country. You got to move out there. Uh, is that where you're from, Tasty Bloomington? Uh, no. Southern Illinois, which is not Southern so different. Illinois, okay. That's the same I thought you guys, right? I thought like Cincinnati. I thought, area area there, I thought it was Missouri. Yeah, like Cincinnati or some shit. Oh, yeah, I thought you were from Missouri. Well, yeah. I'm from the St. Louis area, but I, I'm, I live Pick with, a I town, always Tasty. Wait, everyone's from Mississippi and Illinois. Pick a state even. Everyone's from one town. He was passed around as a child a whole bunch. Unless you're tasty. You tell Eli Trinkle he's from one town and see what happens. (laughs) Eli Trinkle can wrangle the wind and the moon and the stars. Don't tell Eli Trinkle where he's from. He'll tell you. (laughs) In the form of a story. (laughs) That's right. Like a little something like this. And dance. (laughs) Yes. An interpretive dance. The one-man dance show, Eli Trinkle, (laughs) I am my own man. Who the fuck are you? Will now be performing at the Bloomington Bloomington Community Theater. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And homeless shelter. (laughs) Soup kitchen. And used car dealer. Tonight's special is uh, minestrone. All right. Uh, well, I had a lot of fun tonight with Upland Brewing Company. I want to thank you guys again for being here and sharing all the great beer. Thanks for having us. Yes. That's a great and, company. And bringing us Eli. That's right. <laughs> yeah. We apologize. The new superstar. Yeah. Of, uh, Eli's the new treasure. I hope he's like a total asshole and like no one likes him. <laughs> yeah. and, like, and like he hates personal attention. And now, I'm, sure he's really like, I'm, I'm sure he's about to be an asshole. Yeah, like, I know. Any, any second. Okay. Oh, okay. Everybody's going to like him after this. <laughs> Yeah, I just more hope that he's he never passes somebody at the brewery in the halls again without somebody yelling out some random thing that he does. Yeah. Dance, Eli. Like, oh, it's Eli Trinkle. You know, he can scare lightning. <laughs> yeah, that's, these are the things that make me happy. If you guys can report back, if the brewery environment has changed at all due yeah. to... Uh, that would I would, that would make me smile. We'll make yeah. a whole Twitter thread. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Excellent. All right, next week on the program, uh, Gowan's Heirloom Ciders uh, will be on, a California yeah. cidery. Let's change um, it up. Coming on to uh, check us out. And then, of course, don't forget, I, I do want you to go to thebrewingnetwork.com and check out our events page so you can see what's happening around our Great American Beer Festival uh, festivities uh, at Fort Collins Hop Grenade. You get a chance to come up there and, and meet us and some great breweries. Um, so, It'll yeah. be a tasty appearance, I'm thinking, too. Okay, good. It's going to happen. Yeah, uh, Tasty and I will we'll discuss that so I make sure we publicize it enough. Sure. Um, but then you got the rare barrel coming on Wednesday. Don't forget all that stuff. Plus a live session on the on the ninth. And uh, Beardy, did you figure out? Are you going to be out there? Oh, for I that? will be there you're, on the ninth. You're going to stay yes. after GABF. I Excellent. will stay to guarantee no one shows up. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> yeah. Great. Um, all right. So check all that out and uh, join us out there. Thanks again for um, well for all the great times in history on the Brewing Network. It's been fun. Oh. Yes. And, um, Do you have taps? You should play yourself out with taps. Right, yeah. uh, I don't know what that is. T-minus two hours and 39 minutes. And you don't remember shit like that. <laughs> You're right. Um, it might be too old to be relevant. Maybe that's what's going to happen. It's oh, like, that's happening years ago. Like, <laughs> who's this old guy we're talking about? It's true. It's yeah. true. That's yeah. why he's got his new alias set up, Eli Trinkle. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, we had to outsource actual homebrewing information on the show. Yeah. Because nobody here brews. Yeah, which worked fantastically. Yeah, no right. one here brews. Who's home driving brews. you home anyway? Well, nobody you know, that anybody cares about. That's true. Right. That's true. Yeah, they took yeah. your license away. Yeah, so. and I can't drive after dark, actually. Is more well, you thing, can't so. drive after all. Really? Yeah. I'll get someone to use my phone, my smartphone, oh, my smart shit. device, oh, that, that, and call an Uber for me. It's a large that screen. flip phone with smartphone. the big buttons. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Jitterbug. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> I appreciate you hanging out with us. Me and, too. Uh, we'll love, to, love it if I see you next week. Go ahead. JP. Me too. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you to our show sponsor, More Beer. You can get absolutely everything you need to make great beer at home by going to morebeer.com. Men from Upland Brewing invaded the studio, and while we may never know their real names, we do know they brought some killer beers. Check them out at uplandbeer.com. Merge your love of Disneyland with your lack of engaging podcasts and go to earsuppodcast.com as JP, Terrence, Bevo, and Taryn talk about all things Disney. Get on Twitter for some good beer insight and homebrew info. Follow Nate Smith at Nathan Homebrew, Mike McDowell at Tasty McD, Warren is stuck over at Another Beardy, and the great Beverly is crushing cyberspace at Bevo One. JP thinks Twitter's dead and you should follow him on Instagram and Major Jip. Today's show is produced by Jason. I wrote a forward to a very serious book written by a lawyer, Petros, and your host has been Justin. Be sure to find the Beer Network on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Justin's in my sky and winning the race. JP does great.